0: Welcome back to the Stagger World Podcast. This is episode 299. Oh, feels good actually. If you could do me a favour, obviously that is a lot of episodes. We're knocking on the door of 300 episodes. If you could do me a favour and leave a rating, that's what allows the Stagger World Podcast to stand out from the rest. There's many, 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 a, many, a million episodes podcasts out there that are all one to three episodes, another multi-million amount that are 20. We're about to knock on the door of 300, and I think that's something worthy of of a review, a help, a a, a give back to all the work that we've been doing over the last uh, nearly six years, probably is six years, uh, of the Stag World podcast, and we've smashed out 300. So that's, uh, if you've done the math, an average of 50 episodes a year pretty good going in it pretty good inconsistent this episode i'm welcome i'll I will welcome the absolute legend, legend jono lister if you've seen a couple of the reels put up you can see that this was a uh, entertaining and lots of laughs conversation with jono jono's a third generation racing driver from Palmerston North new zealand born and raised at the manfield circuit operated by his family jono joined his grandfather father aunt and cousin Jackson Evans in the driver's seat at age 13. Since 2012, Jono has been competing professionally throughout Asia-Pacific in GT and touring cars. So if you don't know what that is, that's Porsches, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Audis. It's uh, sexy, sexy stuff. And head over to his website, com and click on the link to the YouTube. You will not be disappointed. There's in-cockpit uh, in, um, in cockpit footage of him absolutely raffing the shit out of some epic cars um johnny talks about the the mustang there's some footage of that on there it's insane and even even as little as like a honda fit uh racing there in asia it's it's just madness stuff like these little you know um grandma cars going along giving it heaps smashing it into corners i'm hearing the screech the squeal the gear change oh it's good stuff um yeah it turns out i'd i'd run into johnny a couple of times up there in auckland that uh in a previous life um we were talking about one in particular party at a at a certain oh, isaac holders flat up there at freeman's bay above a uh, liquor store <laughs> that was where really he lived by the way um yeah what a time to be alive and awesome to reconnect with John. trying to hopefully go out on some some trail runs in the future we both enjoyed an arpa if you're uh, wanting to get yourself on some of the capsules or the powder or just have some On stock in your fridge at home for those times where you need to reach for a bit of a brain boost scientifically proven of course but without the effects of caffeine Um, stag raw will get you 20% off at their shop but of course you can pick a up in your supermarket your uh, service station quite the awesome alternative to your energy drinks um, or even a coffee um, in the afternoon if you're anything like me if you have a coffee after 12 it ruins your sleep so Hardepo is probably your answer. Yeah. So without further ado, let's get into 299. I said see, see in this one, I felt a little bit like Martin Crow. Um, stuck on 298 there for a moment after that awesome episode with Between Two Bears. Um, what a weekend it was. Um, if you're watching the social media, I also lost a whole episode, uh, which absolutely sucked with Patty, Devin, uh, Patty, sorry, Patty, Devin, Patty McInnes. Um, that was a wicked chat, so I'll have to sort of somehow recreate that. Maybe we'll get old Jack Jensen on board and, and we can do it three way. <laughs> anyway, let's get into this episode. Absolutely awesome chat with Jono. Cheers.
1: You are going to serve me, out, yeah. you? <laughs> hey. be quiet thanks man
0: no worries where'd you get the cat from
1: yeah she was an spca yeah she was uh she was before my days of realizing that we should all do rescues (laughs) um so she was a breeder cat yeah got two of them one got stolen yeah it was crazy man there was a a um a whole host of of pedigree cats that all got stolen on the same day on our street in takapuna Far out. Burmans and Burmese and some nice little dogs and all that all just disappeared. So she was always a bit weird after that. So she's very, yeah, very needy, but she's cool. And so what is she? She's a ragdoll cross. Yeah. Uh, and then the little fella in the room, he's from the SVCA, So he's got three legs. Um, so I <coughs> adopted him on a whim when I was working as one of their ambassadors. Yeah. So I went in, usual story, going to, to chat with the comms team in there about some some campaigns we were doing and popped my head into the cattery and uh took him home on the spot. Which which
0: was that the one down South of Auckland? The or? one yeah, 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 the
1: one up by the airport in Mangere. Um so yeah, I sort of turned up at home and, and, and had to explain to the flatties what I'd done. <laughs> that were cool though. Good enough <laughs> cat.
0: Yeah, we got we got a thirteen year old cat. He's he's I don't know if he has anything in him, he's just grey and white. And you just chill like my partner's real jealous because he seems to vibe with me better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that because he's got no nuts and he just wants someone with nuts. <laughs> too much, too much feminine, feminine energy around here.
1: I, I man, I, I it's been uh, particularly in terms of loving the outdoors, which is why I moved to Taupo. Um, I've always wanted a dog as a you know running companion, yeah. and with the travel and the lifestyle I've had to date, um, I guess it's partly an excuse, but partly valid as well. That, you know, if you're going to adopt a dog, and mm. in my case, I'd want to definitely adopt the rescue, you got to give it the home that it deserves to thrive, like a child or anything, right? you got to, mm. cats are easy, but dogs, they, they need nurturing and they need constant, you know, attention and, and whatnot. Um, so pre-COVID, uh, you know, I was traveling to, to Asia anywhere from 10 to, to 15, 16 times a year, mm. um, in and out, in and out, in and out. So living out of a bag um, and you know not a great environment for for a pet like that so Mm. but i'm kind of settled here now for the meantime and most of the the sort of base of the motor racing i'm doing is with a a local team so i kind of i've actually started looking even just locally (laughs) recently like okay how much does it cost to to take my dog to a kennel if i'm going away for a race Mm -hmm. putting some sort of foundations in place so that i might be able to pull that trigger and and have a have a companion that i can take into the bush and hit yeah. some big miles with you know hell yeah yeah, yeah. yeah my <laughs> my mate ryan
0: he's been on the podcast a couple of times he's got a black lab that you know that he can sort of take that wherever he likes pretty yeah. well like i think i think nash is coming up too and yeah he came and stayed with us uh, a couple of months back and nash standing is pretty well behaved he can take him into huts and, and things like that so that's, that's, pr- awesome. that's pretty good yeah, but yeah, that's the sort of vibe of dog that I'd like to have, that you could yes. take take hunting. And, and so, like I say to um, my stepdaughter, you know, she's like, can we get a dog around? I'm like, um, no. <laughs> I, was like, N-, I was like, you know how I'm sitting here right now? You wouldn't be seeing me right now. Cause yeah. Yeah, especially with us going back to her, I'd be like,
1: going for a dog walk at 6.30 p.m., especially totally. in winter, it'd be hopeless. Totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, I obviously don't have any, any dependence or any baggage, really, to, to be honest. So um aside from seeing just, just the family, literal baggage the literal baggage <laughs> and yeah and the black cat who's wandering around on the carpet so um yeah it's de- it's definitely on the horizon and i think this is a be a great place to have a you know have a pet like that
0: mm. yeah so You said you're <coughs> off to Invercargill Teratonga Baseway, <laughs> yeah. So, the wow.
1: sunny metropolis of Invercargill, yeah. I was, I was thinking,
0: like, oh, this is really going to show up my lack of man points when it comes to cars. Mm-hmm. This here, but I, I have driven on Teratonga for okay. um, uh, I think it's called Pro Drive, I don't know if it still runs
1: around, okay. It was sort of like a driver training type, yeah, thing. like yeah. for
0: restricted drivers, okay, yeah, yeah, like a
1: defensive driving course or something, yeah, and cool. so, yeah. yeah.
0: He had a bunch of um, <coughs> non-ABS Corollas that he got. Sick. He got you to hit, hit the hit the floor with, yeah. And so thankfully, my car now has ABS because I was involved <laughs> in a car crash last or two years ago. And yeah, you know, afterwards I was like, I oh, think fuck, that wasn't a mm. non-ABS car. Mm. Like
1: ABS is amazing, but
0: geez, it still took a long way to stop.
1: It does, man. Yeah. Um, that that's a a side of the industry, the automotive industry, which. Um, outside of the motor racing my more so my father than myself has been heavily involved in Mm. throughout um, his career so you know and we'll get into this but I mean we're a motor racing family we we grew up at Manfield Mm. grandparents built the circuit there ran it until they retired so I sort of grew up there and and, you know dad was was taking that trajectory to um, to follow a path into motor racing I'm not too sure whether he actually strived to make it a career mm-hmm. um, i guess in the 80s it probably wasn't a viable uh, outlook it's a little bit different to today i mean you want to drive race cars for a living but you know the the pathway is a little bit clearer today mm-hmm. despite the money required but you know when i came along um he obviously had to think seriously about putting food on the table as mm-hmm. well for the family so um so his sort of core uh, business if you like was Um, running a racing team preparing the cars for for clients running a team he was a very good uh, engineer but his probably his biggest strength has been coaching drivers not only racing drivers but Mm. but normal drivers on the road so so um we actually only very recently have have formed our own little little business and i say a new business but really it you know it's just a, a flow on of his 35 40 odd years of experience doing exactly what you've talked about mm. um not so much defensive driving but um the sort of health and safety play for for uh companies now who need to tick that box yeah. and make sure their staff who are out in work vehicles learn how to use abs mm. because growing up uh, we're probably on the on the sort of cusp of, of when abs came in but certainly our parents generation were taught to Evade things a certain way to react a certain way, and that's not the case now. But the curriculum hasn't been updated, right? Yeah. So we're taking a very advanced approach. We're obviously, you know, performance drivers in our own right, but um, you know, building quite a, a fun but uh, beneficial kind of toolkit for people. Um, and some of them are on a racetrack. Yeah. I mean, we here locally in tubba we just use Crown Park. You cool. Know, if it's a smaller group, um, it's yeah, very very cool actually to see the progress that uh that people can make in the space of of a day or an afternoon and it's always those who turn up the most uh timid and Mm -hmm. scared perhaps have had an accident um and it's it's predominantly women because it it's obviously driving is typically a very sort of Mm bravado-esque thing you know it's an ego thing and um you know you see all sorts turn up as you can imagine to 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 drive days but um more often than not by the end of the day it's it's the females who have improved the most and who actually end up winning the the kind of time trials at the end of the day we do a little bit of a competitive thing and, and more often than not they win nice. um, which is pretty cool so um but yeah Tauranga yep we're heading down there um so i'm parked up obviously here with with you in, in Topo at the moment <coughs> and um you know, I've spent, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, spent my life living out of a bag <clears throat> in my professional career racing around Asia mm. and, um, right up until COVID hit. I, I loved that sort of traveling bachelor lifestyle. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Sorry. That's the cat banging on your microphone. No, Sit it's good, down. <laughs> um, good sound effects, good sound effects. And, uh, and, you know, COVID hit, obviously, you know, we don't need to go too deep into that. We all had our struggles and we all had to reevaluate life. Did they try as to keep racing or no? Well, I couldn't get out. Yeah. To the ex- Oh, you were here and you couldn't yeah, get out. Yeah, so we were pre season. Yeah. Well, I was a couple of weeks away from, from jetting off. And um you know, none of us obviously thought it was gonna last too long. <laughs> yeah. We'll miss, we'll just miss this. Yeah and the first couple of weeks. And it was it the point where like, for instance, there was a, a, a team in Japan, and I've done most of my uh, sort of top-level stuff in Japan. I, I love the place. It's where I had my first professional contract. Um, and I've, that's probably where I've, at least in my early career, professional career, made the most good contacts and the mm-hmm. most reputation. So there was a scenario where a good friend of mine who'd got me a, a really big driver there in the past, uh, he, he had a team with Aston Martin, um, st- still has now, and their factory driver from the UK couldn't get in because obviously the UK um, locked down hard early mm. on. So he he dropped me a message and he said, "Man, he said like if you can get here, you've got the drive." Mm. Like, and it was a big it was a big deal. Like it was a, a big championship, uh, top team, you know, factory factory supported team. And um, so obviously everything was saying that you couldn't get out. And I thought, oh, bugger it. I'll just run the gauntlet. So I just went to the airport and got turned away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. But you had to give it a crack, yeah. right? And and I had, you know, had everything laid out, the contracts and and everything possible, like screeds of paperwork and, and all, but obviously. You know, what was
0: what was their reasoning that you won't get in? Or what? Well,
1: remember at the, the time, you know, in terms of certain countries, or I'm not sure at that point whether it was all countries, if you turned up to Auckland International to leave, um, unless you were like, you know going over as a diplomat or right, yeah. uh, a politician or, or something very important then there was no way um you know my mind's a little bit cloudy now of the exact details but basically it was like nah mate what are you what are you even doing here yeah we're not like we're not even town. gonna let you out cause no. we'll
0: see we'll see you in about 24 hours yeah because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you haven't been let in yeah. so then
1: we, we went through covid and and you know that was as Probably more did more good for me than bad in terms of my, my life as a whole and reevaluating what's important. Um, <clears throat> and so when the lockdown lifted, and as my mum says, my mum's a travel agent, she t- t- terms it really well. Everyone started revenge travelling. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, getting out of wherever you were, not uh, yeah, sort of out of spite, not because of the place, just because of the fact you were stuck there for three years. So um, I packed my bags and and buggered off to Thailand to live for the year. Uh, This was sort of early last year. And that was going to be my base to sort of travel around Asia and and do my various drives, which was the first time I'd actually, I guess, physically been based in Asia. And I really liked the idea of that in a sense that I was always kind of the fly in fly out guy and yeah, doing the job on track's great. That's important. Obviously you're there to, to, to win races. But I realized over time and through that reflection throughout COVID that the, the bond you, you forge with your team owner or your sponsor mm-hmm. or whoever it may be is just as important. And, and half of these opportunities come about not only because you're good at your job but because they like you mm-hmm. and you've formed that, that bond. <clears throat> and that was always something that I felt like I was lacking because come Sunday night, win or lose i was on a plane Mm. coming home i didn't get to share in the joy or the commiseration with with my team um and also you know if you're rushing in rushing out um there's a little bit less time to really get into the nitty-gritty of of um you know the car or Mm. the strategy that you're trying to 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 put in place or just the program as a whole like if you're there on the ground floor it can't be a bad thing Mm -hmm. um so that was kind of my mentality. Plus, as I say, I just wanted to get out. I I watched, um, you know, the world pass me by for a couple of years. Did a little bit of local racing, which was great, and I'm very fortunate that I could do that. But um, and this isn't throwing shade at New Zealand motor racing because it's we've got such a rich history. But it is a place where you you cut your teeth, you develop your skills, which we do very well. But then you get out. Mm-hmm. Like you don't race here professionally. You you develop your skills here to go and race professionally overseas. Mm-hmm. So got out to Asia, um, you know, started doing a thing. I was racing in a, a Mustang, which was a lot of fun, man, in terms of visceral, mm-hmm. holy shit, like it just it was an assault on the senses, this thing. Um, and I was also racing an Audi in, in Taiwan. And so I was sort of going back and forth between the two. Um, but I found in thailand like a lot of places like that you're by the beach and you're sort of in a resorty type area and and again this will sound like a first world problem but um after a little while the novelty of that wears Mm. off and i was alone Mm -hmm. and doesn't matter how many pseudo friends or acquaintances you make there's still a big cultural gap man Mm. so i I felt quite lonely and i've never felt that in my life Mm. like or maybe i have and and i've mastered but it was never more apparent than, than then that I was missing home. And I think a a big part of that was going through COVID, going through the, the, the lockdowns, being separated from your family. I'm not sure about yourself, but in my case, I was in Auckland, all my family weren't, Hmm. well, a lot of them weren't, should I say. Um, and so, you know, my grandparents and my dad and my stepmom and others, you know, couldn't see them for whatever it was, six, seven months of, of the first lockdown. And even my mum elsewhere in Auckland, you know, we had to sneak and tiptoe around to even <laughs> see our parents, you know. Yeah. Um, so I I found, I yearned for that human connection which pre COVID, um, you know, obviously I love my friends and family, but I was out doing my thing mm-hmm. and that'd always be there at home. That was kind of my mentality. And so I sort of got to the point up in Asia where, um, well it's a two part thing one I was missing home and I was kind of looking for an excuse to come back and two my, my best mate Sam who, um, who's been just a, a linchpin in my life since, since meeting him as a race fan at a race back in 2008 um, ended up throughout his career uh, becoming a part of the team that I'm now sort of helping to build mm-hmm. here so I'm driving as a professional driver, but I'm also sort of part of the the framework of a plan that we're putting in place to take our um, our customers, if you like, which is a, a couple of uh, French Tahitian or one Frenchman, one French Tahitian guy who are property developers, and their goal, being French, is to get to Le Mans, mm-hmm. you know, the the biggest endurance race in the world, which is something I'd actually written off. It was a, a race that my dad had run a team at in '96. I'd been there. I still Believe it or not, there's a little a little cat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, still vividly remember it to this day. But because I sort of shoehorned myself into Asia, I wasn't sure whether that was gonna be a viable option. And then you know, Sam's well, he wasn't calling me, he was on WhatsApp and he's like, dude, he's like, we we've got something here which I can plug you into and I think you should come back and be a part of it from the start. And honestly, like on first glance i I think i messaged him back being like you've got to be kidding me right you want me to come back to new zealand and race like um i haven't done that in god since 2010 you know Mm -hmm. and he said trust me like these guys you know they're 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 committed they've got the means Mm. and like it's not an idea to them it's a plan Mm -hmm. um and i said well dude if if, if it was anybody else telling me this, I'd probably not do it. Mm-hmm. But you're my best mate. You wouldn't be presenting me this if it, my best interests weren't at heart. And I also love going racing with them because we just have a ball <laughs> as friends. <coughs> so that was my excuse to come home, jumped on a plane, um, came back, this was September. And, uh, and ever since we've been starting uh, a five to six year plan to um obviously develop the skills of of the guys i'm driving with because a lot of what we do is is pro-amp so mm. you've got um what we call gentleman drivers who who aren't being paid to be there still very fast in their own right but it's also my job then to, to coach them up to a level where as a package we're very strong so we've been racing locally in Porsches for um whatever it is coming up a year and um we've now just landed uh, a pretty serious bit of kit which when this goes to air we still haven't announced i mean it's the world's best kept secret or worst kept secret should i say everyone bloody knows but i better not say it'll probably be on my instagram in a couple of weeks but <laughs> we've got some cool toys that have landed which we're then going to be um competing in for the back half of this year here uh, including teratonga down in your hometown and then we're we're hitting um, the international scene. So, um, so again, I can't tell you where we're going first, but it is a pretty poorly kept secret. But we're we're basically um, next year on our way to Europe. Yeah, yeah, uh, with a couple of stops along the way. <clears throat> um, and over the course of the next two or three years, you know, it's still a little bit. It's a little bit of of decision-making to be made in terms of which pathway we need to take to um, pay our dues. Um, You can't just walk into the World Championship. You know, you need to to prove yourself as a team um, and prove that you're professional and you're well-rounded and, you know, that you don't want to drag everyone else down by turning up with a bunch of cowboys. They want you to come back as well? Well, this is the thing, like, you, you know... You've essentially got to be aligned with a factory to to go now yeah back in the day if you turned up with a few million dollars they'd probably let you run but now like you know there's a reputation to uphold Mm -hmm. for the 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 category as a whole which is great because that scarcity is what creates that intrigue and that dream and that goal and so
0: on that category stuff so like in asia you had the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis and
1: things yep. so same type of cars same type of cars right and now you've got the Porsche right yeah this would be the, our 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 target is the, the World Endurance Championship mm-hmm. so our cars are a cat or a class within the, the field so it's GT G, yeah, a, yeah GT3 cars and above that you've got your prototypes like what your Brendan Hartleys and right. Earl Bambas and the other Kiwis are, are doing very well and the kind of spaceship looking you know, look like an f1 car with a closed cockpit yeah so uh, and they're not far off being as quick as one either so um so that's the the category what, of, what
0: sort of brands are making those prototype cars
1: um well now everybody it's it's so it, even the japanese guys and stuff yeah so they're, they're absolutely going gangbusters with it's so a supercar right they're sort called of? um well oh man what are they called now God, it's so many acronyms um i'm probably going to get it wrong but we'll just call it prototypes they yes. used they used to be called lmp1 now i think they're called god i don't know hypercar that's mm. what they're calling them so you've got toyota have, have won it for many years porsche have won it for many years they've both got a very strong history but now you've got ferrari and lamborghini have just announced one cadillac are in there oh. um there's bmw there's peugeot there's like brands from from all walks of the you know the automotive world which um, is great for the the eyeballs on the series but, but ironically is now making our job a lot harder because the more of them there are the less spots there are for our cars because right, yeah. they're the they're the you know they're the darlings of the big show so there's a a, a limited number of cars in the entire field that can be there and there used to be like 20-odd, 20 maybe 25 GT cars. And it may only be a dozen by the time we try and get there. Um, so the, the goalposts have shifted and narrowed. Um, however, that um, that only creates a little bit more of a challenge. I mean, it's going to be bloody hard to get there anyway. But what I really love about this team we've got, awesome team culture, great people we have a, as much fun as we do work hard which i think is very important but the you know the two the two guys who are funding it uh, their names are hermana melmazak and francois Bisiac <laughs> unlike a lot of wealthy guys i've come across in this sport they're not all talk mm-hmm. they they're their action and everything they've said to this point they have honored and that gives me a lot of um well it it gives me a little bit of security because man we're we're not in a sport as a racing driver where job security even exists Mm -hmm. so um i know that our plan will happen one way or another and hey if we if we don't get there the conventional way then we'll just try and find a way in the side door or the back door <laughs> or whatever it may be. But, but what I can't believe is that I, I, I'm back home. I'm, I'm living in a beautiful town. Nature's on my doorstep, um, which is really important to me. Um, I'm doing what I do and earning a living like I would have overseas, but from the comfort of, of my home and you know got a, a potential to, to do the biggest race in the world one day before I, I hang up my helmet professionally. Um, I don't want to do this forever. You know, it's great fun, but you know I've got other things I want to achieve in life. But um, I've now essentially got job security for, I don't know, the next three, four, five years, which previous to that, man, every Christmas, it's the most stressful time of year. Everyone else is enjoying themselves, and I'm worried about if I'm going to actually have a job next year. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wouldn't say that means that I can lift off the gas pedal because we've got a huge task ahead of us. But at least I know that um, that I've got a little bit of longevity ahead of me. So, um, what, What's going to be the proving ground? So this is the, this is the big question. Um, you've got a few different categories or championships where you can, I guess it's like a golden ticket mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, think about the Willy Wonka reference. Um, where you can enter and if you win you automatically get an entry which um, in theory sounds great but as you can imagine they're extremely um, hard-fought championships because everybody wants that ticket. Um, so it'll be a,
0: a championship we'll get you through yeah, don't, so, don't, there's don't like,
1: the yeah so there's like a yeah. qualification series called Asian Le Mans for instance where they, they give a couple away and, and there's a, another GT championship in Asia which I've, I've done many times myself um, where they are now doing the same thing and and so um, those are options um, and we'll, we'll definitely do some of them regardless just to be present there because um Again, we're going to need to show that the officials or the the powers that be, if you like, the committees, that um, we're serious, mm. um, and there'll be so there'll be some dues to be paid before we get considered. Um, but you know, there's also the importance of ch- choosing the right manufacturer, mm-hmm. and you know we've, we've got close ties with Porsche through our own networks as a team and and people we know my my cousins actually a a sort of pseudo factory driver for Porsche in, in Europe anyway so I'm obviously trying to play a little bit of a nepotistic card there to see if he can open some doors for us so and your cousins. his name's Jackson Evans yeah. yeah yeah so and and you know I'd obviously love to have Jackson involved in the project so his, um, his mum was also a driver right yes yeah. it's my dad's sister dad's yeah sister, and yeah. she was bloody good um she was bloody good until she got tipped on her on her roof and and broke her back or, or seriously hurt her back and wasn't able to race properly again. Um, she you know can walk around all good, but race cars and the violence of them wasn't wasn't working for her after that.
0: you're um, <laughs> the next generation. Yes,
1: it is. Yeah, and actually being a rugby guy, her son-in-law. Uh, is Taniha Tupo. Oh, awesome! <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's just had a baby with my my cousin, and um, they're they're actually coming over to Taupo this weekend. Um, obviously, he's playing yeah. down in D- Dunedin, right? I think. Um, anyway, we're over there playing the All Blacks this this Saturday, but the rest of them are coming here to, to catch up. So, uh, yeah, we've got we've definitely got a sporting family. Um, <laughs> but to, yeah, to get back to what you're saying, man, like um, I wish it was as easy as saying. You do this and you and you tick this box or you achieve this kpi and you're there but like a lot of sports these days it's extremely political a lot of mm. it's about who you know i think porsche is a really good uh, or porsche should i say sorry is a really good um alignment for us um in many many ways but there's still a little bit of consideration to be done there and um man, we're just going to have to go out and, and prove ourselves on the track, which at the end of the day is what it comes down to, right? You've got to be the people on the podium. Um, you can talk the talk, but you've got to walk the walk too. So,
0: Yeah, so how, how does one even get into a championship? Like you say, you've you've got to get onto the podium to then get into something like Le Mans. But yeah. like, how do you even start to get into the championship?
1: Like the stuff building up? Yeah. Money, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's dumb money. Like, so just like
0: somebody has a championship here's the entry fee I, I, here's the tour here's the schedule gotta turn up
1: to all yeah, of us yeah I, I have to be careful how I um, how I talk to the young guys these days bearing in mind that I'm now in my mid uh, early 30s sorry and um, the guys that I was looking up to when I was 15 16 and asking the questions about were giving me the, the realities back then and a lot of the times you didn't want to hear um, what they said, even though it was the truth. Um, it, I find it buzzy.
0: And that's why like you're asking, what's the vibe of this? And it's like, laughably ordinary. When you look at motorsport, it's, it is that there. Like, how the fuck do they do yeah, this?
1: Yeah. And, and what <laughs> I, and again, I can say this, obviously from the very privileged position of being somebody who is doing this for a job and has as a third generation of a family who's been driving since 1970 something Mm. um and it all unfortunately comes down to money and network Mm. not unfortunately i mean it's the reality of a of a of a sport that is driven by the peak of technology and advancement for the automotive world Everything's tested in our sport before rolling into real cars. so of course it's gonna be uh, an arms race mm. um, or space race or whatever you want to call it um, But what I was getting to with with that young generation thing is as people will say, I get DMs all the time. I see what you do, I want to do it. what do I have to do and and um, and you know I can obviously give them the the usual advice on on how to best present themselves and a loose, kind of pathway but the reality is um, it's money hmm. and we didn't have it but we were very lucky that we made up for it with a network which got me started and probably even more important for both myself and Jackson is a family that have been through all of the ups and downs of it and so every every charlatan that comes along and tells you you're going to be the next Michael Schumacher hmm. and then because it only takes one deviation from the path and you're done. You either spent your bag or you have ruined your whatever little reputation you had. We've been very fortunate that things that come along, which to me at the time I would have been like, I'd love to do that, Dad. He said, No, nah, it's not the right call. Hmm. You're better off to even just have six months off than to do the wrong thing. So that was gold for me. That that was that was the um, the currency, if you like, of our family was was that. Wisdom and, and experience and, and the network. But we still had to go raise sponsorship. And it was big money, man. Like, I mean, it's huge money now, but even back when I was racing, you know, to do a, a local, when i going to say local, you know, the national Porsche uh, GD3 championship in the early, mid 2000s, um, it was like we had to raise over 300 grand mm. and we still came up short. And so, you know, you look at it from that perspective and then you take it to a global level where you're into the seven figures, you know, you're into the millions. Um, unfortunately, I, I think we're a sport where, I mean, obviously, you know, hard work trumps talent uh, in many cases. And, and I think it, it has in my case, um, like I'm not the naturally gifted um, Liam Lawson or, or Nick Cassidy or Scott Dixon in terms of raw talent but I've worked really hard and I've probably been more resilient than most when shit's hit the fan Mm -hmm. and most would have walked away. I just want to drive race cars, man. I just, (laughs) I just love it. And, and for most of my life, it's all I've ever wanted to do, which has had its mental health trappings when things have gone wrong and, and, and all, which I'm sure, you know, if you want to, we can get into, but, um, it definitely has probably defined me for most of my life it's something that i am trying to d- dissociate from the one another now personal life and 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 driving race cars um i now think of it as something that i do um Rather and that i love one. but not who i am because yeah. then you end up you know tying your results into your self-worth and it just it's a it's a vicious spiral but um man I've what, what, what on, about like I've gone that, off on a tangent what about the employability of it
0: <laughs> Like like you say, you could you could take yourself down the wrong path as well, and then that's you
1: can you, know, you yeah. can so so yeah so so those who come up and ask you know how do you how do you do it I mean money's one and and um, unbiased advice is the other, and that's a hard thing, mm. man. Like that, that's why for, I, I've never taken on any management, and I guess again I'm fortunate that I haven't needed to in the sense that I've had, sort of had the family um support and, and compass but um but you this is why only a, a handful of of people of the the population get to do this because excuse me getting there is so hard requires so much money and you got to make pretty much every right decision possible it's like it's like it's like playing roulette man mm. it really is and and that is probably not what a what a young passionate people are going to hear but I I wouldn't want that to discourage them from chasing it either because mate even if you don't make it and I I stand by this the skills you learn in chasing this sport in terms of negotiating dealing with with powerful people um, becoming very personable whether it's one to one in a boardroom on a camera whatever that may be um, becoming very savvy in terms of marketing and advertising and um, you know obviously budgeting, mm. you know, when you when you've got a limited amount of money to, to apply to a race car and it's a bit like on PlayStation or fantasy league stuff, like you can spend money in different areas but you've only got a limited amount in total. So all of these things, you know, you don't realise it at the time when you're young, but they they really set you up for wherever you might end up in life whether you drive race cars or not you've still got to have a post career Mm. and um you know i've i've worried for a lot of my life what would i do if i couldn't do this anymore and i think that most young people think about that but i'm now realizing that i've met enough good people i've learned enough things that hey if if i had to stop racing tomorrow
0: Mm.
1: figure something out figure something out figure something out yeah
0: like like obviously like you say you're the third generation in this race, race car driving has been around for a long period of time yes but the level of investment is high oh yeah like well, obviously obviously there's value in it or us it still wouldn't exist how how does the roi conversation go for I don't for even it? go there yeah like it's it, 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 and and you know it is it is a race and it is a competition and it's got to be probably those ones on the podium that really have the brand out there and, back, back, and like you said in Sailing as well,
1: like mm, who the fuck are these brands? Yep. <laughs> back, back in the day, it was tangible um, tangible returns in terms of a sticker on a race car in terms of brand awareness was genuinely um, something that that gave a return to a company. That whole, there's a term, um, win on Sunday, buy on Monday or sell on Monday in terms of that car brand. Mm-hmm. And that, that rang true. Um, for a long time obviously the world's went on Sunday Salamander on on that one yeah. sorry yeah nice. and, and you know to an extent um, maybe at Formula 1 level that's still still a thing
0: and is that why they're investing in the likes of Netflix to so, like raise the I, brand I still? mean
1: that in terms of, of general awareness has been a, an absolute masterstroke from from Liberty um, there are now funnily enough my, my last optometrist in Auckland um bought that up mm-hmm. you know and she was a, a middle eastern immigrant and she was the last person i would have thought would have been interested in motor racing when i told her what i did she just started going on about this yeah. netflix show she's watching <laughs> and i was like this is amazing like people now are taking an interest in our sport because of that show that shows the power of obviously the you know that that streaming platform but um what was your original question? We're going off on so many tangents. Like
0: just the, how the ROI works. Ah, yes, yeah. yes. Okay,
1: so so if you want to look at Formula One, honestly, man, now you are paying through the nose. It's like a VIP booth at a club. Mm. You're paying to get in the room. So the millions of dollars that you are paying, whether or not you go in the car or not, it's to be in that corporate box with these other billionaires mm-hmm. and do business. Mm-hmm. It's a pure B2B play, which is great if you understand that it's very hard to actually put that in a proposal and very hard to to actually sell that idea at a low level mm. like if you're a young fella coming up there's no way in hell you're going to be able to, to say to somebody oh, if you come along to my club race you might be able to rub shoulders with some other guy mm. and do some deals like they would be like come on mate like yeah. like I, I appreciate your enthusiasm but we both know that's not going to happen it's a that's a <laughs> It's a pipe dream, um, but once you once you get up the ranks, that definitely becomes a factor. And also, different types of motor racing have um, have different um, angles that you'd come from in terms of sponsorship. So your your V eight supercars is still very much um, your you know sort of trade brands. It's obviously it's the the blue collar stuff, right? Hmm. And to be fair, the the brand awareness play is probably quite still quite powerful for them um, outside of the TV product and the merch. Merch is huge for them as well. You know, every, every V8 fan loves wearing their V8 shirt. Hmm. Their wives must hate it when they wear them out to dinner. you know? <laughs> <You're> just like, <laughs> it's do, just that obvious picture, right? Yeah, like that yeah. metal picture is just like straight ahead. <laughs> and, and then what, what we do, and I guess we kind of bridge the gap in, in GT between... I guess like a formula one and maybe that blue collar v8 thing where um i'd like to think that the cars that i race you know the ferraris the porsches the lambos all these cool things are an aspirational vehicle for anybody Hmm. um and by and large Anybody on the street, if they saw a car like that, would be like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's a head-turner, mm. right? Yeah, two McLarens went past yeah. it was possibly last. I was like, holy fuck, that
0: sounds cool. Yes. And, and like, and it was funny, there was like an Audi TT parked and then the McLaren pulls in you're like, oh, yeah, that's, know, a, different, that's a different thing. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> but then
1: it's a bit like you say with sailing. The brands, A lot of the brands you see are very obscure and, and half the reason is because um, a lot of the brands that go on the cars are either, A, purely there on a B2B sense. Mm-hmm. Um, or B they're just the companies of the guys who are paying for the racing you mm. know? Um, because un- unless you're a factory driver where Porsche or Ferrari or whoever are paying you a salary to drive for them then you're like me where you're a contractor and I mean for us to earn a living someone's got to pay for it mm. so it's the, the team owner um, sometimes they drive with you sometimes they don't but it's a, generally a very wealthy guy who loves cars, loves the excitement, the vibe of being in pit lane. Um, some drive, like I say, some don't, but regardless, they don't look at the bottom line because mm-hmm. they know that like to even break even is damn near impossible. Um, so, but, you know, they're pouring money and in, in down the tube essentially or down the drain, but they're loving it, mm-hmm. you know, and for a lot of these guys, it's, it's in terms of scale, you know, if they go and spend whatever it may be 1, 2, 10 million bucks in a year if you're a billionaire it's like a, what is that t- Two, three, four, five grand to us like it's a bit mm. of money but it's not gonna you know it's not gonna send you broke it's not something you'd like and be awake about
0: um, and have fun while you're doing it yeah, yeah yeah
1: so it's I mean I, 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 my mate Sam I mentioned earlier we, we reminisce a lot now um, about when I was young and, and Sam was trying to go racing too, um at the time, and we would pour sleepless nights into these very, very um slick sponsorship proposals for people. And we thought we knew what a rich guy would want to read and hear. And yeah. now we look back at him and we just like my God, they must have thought we were just absolute flogs, because we, we we thought we had the ticket into their brain, and we thought we know where to add value to these guys. And now that we sort of mingle with them, we realise um how their brains work, and and we were so far off the mark. No wonder no most of them never replied. But at the end of the day, it was all part of that learning process, and yeah. yeah, and that that just beating down doors, um, which early early on was the way you did it pre-email and and all of that um but then in a digital sense too you know you'd you'd send out a hundred proposals um in the hope that one would come back to you for a a follow-up meeting Um, and you're
0: trying to navigate your way up the decision making tree as well
1: man if you can obviously if you can find your way in the side door you're you're halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> a warm intro from someone you know if you're fortunate enough to, to know someone. But for a lot of companies, you know, that they purposely don't make that available. So you've got to go through the EA or the receptionist at the front desk and and it's really those where, um, unless you come across somebody who might be a, a rev head who's the CEO mm-hmm. and just you know, which is again a dartboard, thrown thrown at a dartboard, then it's it's very much scattergun. But if that's all you've got at your disposal and your toolkit at the time and you're prepared to put in the time to do it then you do it and I did it and to be fair I still was able to get some support um, doing it that way Um, and some of those people are still supporting me personally today little little stickers on my helmet are we call personal sponsors Um, and one of them in particular uh, been with me since 2008 like it <laughs> you know and they're just like family they're the most lovely people uh red past company down in christchurch and you know they don't ask for much from me i almost feel bad they're just so lovely they just like helping me and supporting me and getting my updates and and um you know people like that wouldn't have come about without that grind in the early days and and you you foster the support predominantly at a young age because they like you Mm -hmm. and they want to help you and hey if that develops into something on a grander scale fine but at the end of the day again it's probably another thing for for the young guys like um you know definitely try and sell the roi side of things but when you're young and enthusiastic just present yourself professionally be personable look them in the eye all of those things and show them show them in your your mannerisms and, and your delivery that this is what you wanna do because that's that's what's gonna make the decision for them. It's not, you know, having a small sticker on your car that might get a, a little bit of coverage on Sky Sport necessarily. Mm-hmm. Not not when you're fifteen years old. Yeah. You know, um, that all comes later. Yeah. Mm. Hey but you wanna come up?
0: Is <laughs> yeah. <You> said about is <laughs> it about your dad and mm-hmm. like you came along that complicates things. But like
1: um I don't, I don't think that i was the reason he he didn't go further he, <laughs> yeah. he'd already started his team by the time i was there but he kind of scaled back his actual driving when yeah. i was born for obvious reasons yeah but like uh, brought
0: up mclaren the bruce mclaren in the world is he just like someone that is i like used to talk about scott
1: dixon is he just someone that's just out of the gate um probably not the guy to ask i don't know enough about about bruce's history um i mean in terms of being a pioneer, absolutely, you know, uh, obviously an incredible driver at a time where um, you needed more fear than talent, (laughs) Uh, or sorry, uh, fearlessness than talent, which he had and all those guys had, um, because they were at an era where, excuse me, where um, every year a couple of their mates were dying. Mm. You know, you'd all be in the room at the start of the year in driver's briefing at round one and you'd know looking around those twenty twenty five guys that by the end of the year a couple of them wouldn't be there and like you can imagine that man mm. imagine that with rugby or, or in motor racing now which is very safe people, people people don't don't realize how much safer it is than driving on the road um but that if that was implanted in your head um now like if uh, you know if i was to try and put that that hat on Um, Are you really going to put it all on the line? Hmm. Like, I don't know if I'd have the the stones to do that, knowing that I could actually die. I mean, they were essentially at the time driving a a bomb. Hmm. They didn't, you know, the fuel tanks didn't have the bladders in them that stopped the cars from exploding when they hit something and all these other things. And just the fact that the cars were like Coke cans when they hit anything, like, bugger that, man. Hmm. You know, I I know now that, that I could i could be full tit in the rain um and you know spare off at 250k and i could i know i'm going to walk away i might have a sore neck sore shoulders get the we get shoulder strap bruises mm-hmm. so we've got a six point harness we wear and if you have a shunt um i mean I, people obviously probably get it in a road car too if they have a crash but we end up having a, a, an imprint of our our uh six point harness when we have a, a bit of a shunt like purple um is contact pretty common like uh end on end like side by side mean, be reasonably common? not so much in in what i do in gt because the cars are um are incredibly um i wouldn't say fragile but they what's the exterior made of in those ca- carbon fiber in most cases yeah. but you know we we're on the cusp of being between a touring car like a v8 and an open wheel car in a sense that we have quite a lot of aerodynamics mm. um sucking the car to the ground with with uh you know like the opposite of an airplane basically and so there's
0: a video of you getting out of the pits and you hit the gas straight away is yeah. that dude suck it on the ground nah that's just because it's cool. just because <laughs> <course. Yeah>, it's <right.
1: laughs> just because it, it gets your jollies man yeah, yeah makes you feel good it Makes you feel alive. Um, that never gets old.
0: So that's not like a formula where you really do gotta. To...
1: No, nah, so so what, what I was getting at is we we have aero, like obviously much much less than, than an open wheel car like an F1 car, but we have twice and sometimes some cases three times the weight mm-hmm. of an F1 car. So the the consequence of that is that when we go through corners and all of that weight shifts to The loaded side um it doesn't take much to break away and for it to all go wrong Mm. so if we're fully committed and we bang doors with someone or rub them then it can get pretty nasty pretty quick and you know if i was in a like a touring car like the old btc british touring car days which are just door banging and crashing back in the 80s and 90s or the older V8 supercars, they don't touch much these days, but the older ones used to hit each other a bit. I love that shit, man. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> I did my my first uh, touring car race last year, which was when I was in Taiwan, and I've been messaging my dad, and I said, Dad, I said, why haven't I done this my whole career? Like, I'm jumping two wheels over curbs, I'm rubbing guys, I'm doing all of this, like, fun racing shit that I saw you doing growing up, but I've never been able to do in these cars because... They are to an extent, I guess, a little bit like a terracotta pot. <laughs> but they've all got they've all got their um, their pros and cons. But
0: And wheels and tires, do you said it all battle that weight. Yeah. And will they blow out or?
1: Um not so much, but but once you lose that if you think of a suction cup, when it releases, yeah it's all or nothing, right? It's yeah. a switch. It's not a gradual air release, like I think if you're plunging the taller or whatever it may be getting cupped at a massage place same thing so once it's released which could be by bumping someone or jumping over a curb or whatever it may be then it's all over and you could be backwards in like a split second doesn't matter how good your reactions are so you know you obviously don't want to um you don't want to for despite bumping people being like fun racing if the consequence more often than not in a gt car is somebody having a heavy crash hmm. then of course like you don't want anybody to get hurt you don't want someone to end up with a two hundred thousand dollar bill for the sake of you just having a rub for fun so we obviously don't um and you know because our cars are, are made for endurance racing 24 hour races uh, is kind of the the maximum length we do um it's more of a long game it's like an ultra marathon man Mm -hmm. um where it's not about who's the fastest it's that whole you know who slows down the least thing and (laughs) you get all these other elements that come in in terms of strategy and teamwork and and uh pacing yourself Mm -hmm. so pacing yourself running and in a car very similar Mm -hmm. you know and over time you get quite you get quite um good at gauging you know internally um just how much you can push to get to whatever that end goal is whether it's time or distance or whatever it's the same in a race car as, as i've learned as it is running and um i've actually found that that in my my fledgling interest in in um ultra running and, and stuff of that nature that a lot of those skills i've learned in race cars mm-hmm. has been very easily transferable um nothing i love more man than than taking off from the start line at a, whatever it may be a total sport event or Xterra or, or a, a bigger race and watching all of those hotheads who just sprint off. And, you know, there's always someone alongside you who you look at and you both know, and you both sort of gesture to each other. And, and it's like, we'll see, we both know we're going to see those guys pretty soon. Mm. And, and four out of five of them, you do. There <laughs> might be one Billy goat who just keeps going, but, um, but it's that whole tortoise and the hair thing, right? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. More often than not, that's how it plays out. So yeah, unfortunately, um, not a lot of, not a lot of rubbing in what we do. Um, I, I would love to do some more of the touring car stuff. Um, because I've, I really enjoyed that element of it. And, um, I think one of my biggest strengths is that I'm, I'm a, I'm a good, smart racer. Um, and again, I've, had a good coach for that with my dad Hmm. um i'm very analytical um and i know how to play with people's psychology Mm -hmm. on and off the track that's something that i had done to me when i was young by a sort of hero of mine at the time and i feel like i'm now passing the baton (laughs) a little bit (laughs) Um, so there's a lot of people out there who will tell you that i am too aggressive and this and that and the other but you look at my record, I don't have many DNFs. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are drivers and there are races, and, and I'd like to think that I'm a racer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> awesome.
0: So how, how did you get into ultra running?
1: Well, how did it all start? I mean, in terms of the... the- did, did, did
0: you have anything like lingering with you? Like I growing up in Imparagel, we had the Kepler every year, it'd be in the paper and it'd be like, there'd just be dudes off stations that run up kepler and you're mm. like shit that's fast mm. like who the hell are these people and then like coast to coast as well that was sort of and then i remember nathan Favre with those team discovery races adventure races that sort of again picked my general interest and then mm. like things things like cameron haynes and Courtney walter being on joe rogan i was like fuck that's buzzy ass. Yes. <laughs> lisa Tamari as well she she featured
1: so lisa lisa i actually met um through the agency i'm with and and i was already interested in in the sport by this point but um man she's a weapon i'd say she's a weapon <laughs> um couldn't believe some of the some of the stuff she'd done but for me it i was never a runner as a young fella mm-hmm. I, to be honest I don't, let's be honest everyone i've met or most people i've met in the the ultra space most of them weren't mm. they've you know as, as we all know some of the best are former or recovering addicts you know <laughs> former alcoholics drug addicts whatever it may be people who are sort of used to living in that pain cave yeah whether it's mental or physical um it's not certainly not my history but for me i um
0: you're a journaling addict though i'm, d- I'm d- i, I I'm am i'm just i'm just reading this book at the moment called i don't want to talk about it, it comes out of the peter Atier book Oh, and, I've, yeah.
1: I've listened to a couple of pods with him. Yeah, yeah. he was on Rich Roll recently. Who yeah, cool. Peter Ateo? Or, yeah. Or, yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. yeah, so the the Outlive book is mostly about health, and the last chapter is about his mental struggles. And um, Yeah. And then so he brings up this book, I don't want to talk about it, and it's about uh, covert depression in males and the outlets that they do to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, and like I say, it can be alcoholism, um, unfortunately abuse. Mm-hmm. Often that often stems from being abused. Mm-hmm and then this like workaholism or adrenalinism and yeah it's just like you're reading this book like trying not to self diagnose <laughs> i loved um
1: i loved in particular his deep dive into dns the dynamic neuromuscular stabilization yeah, that he yeah does. and that was actually something when i was was trying to pass the time in thailand last year that i i, I did a little bit just out of curiosity i i love i i love, um, just trying new things in terms of optimising your, your health or your mobility well he, he's a
0: baby. keen race car driver is out, he? I didn't in, a, know that about him in out life, he he talks about like okay. the, the foundations of with the NS. he yes. like has this big crossover with driving in a race car and, yeah. and then he talks about like the weight and, and balance and things yeah. on, on things oh it was
1: fascinating and, and obviously you know the, the, the one thing that sort of pricked my ears up with that was and I hadn't even considered it ever was how we move as children as yeah. babies and that we're like little monkeys yeah and with, the, with the
0: concussion stuff I do and, uh, and I need to explore it a bit more and I think going into the 10 would probably be really good mm. like we had a 15 uh, year old guy concussion in rugby and I said like you need to go back to these like um, primal movements primal movements yeah, yeah like yeah. you know get, get your shoes off get walking around the house start being really conscious of the four corners of, of your foundation mm-hmm. and like you know even when you're getting out of a chair think about like Planting your feet, engaging your core, lifting, fully yeah, lifting yourself, trying to drag yourself out, yes. of, the, out of the top of your head, and then get moving. And and you know they just look like, at you funny, like you're an optometrist, What are you even talking about? <laughs> but the thing that disrupts your eyes is this nervous system stuff. And again, mm-hmm. that's your proprioception. Yeah, no. It's so, how, how far down the
1: hole did you go of DNS? Oh, not too far, man. Um, I at that point in time, I'd, I'd be getting. Um, pretty deep into a daily yoga practice, and, yeah, nice. and I was just experimenting with all of the different methodologies there, and and um, I I found that to be more roundly beneficial for me than mm. just the pure neuromuscular mm-hmm. stuff. I probably did it the DNS for a couple of weeks, and I I can I definitely under understood where he was coming from, but you can't do everything, no. <laughs> man. And and I've I've um you know i get so much out of the yoga um in general life and and you know obviously it's a mindfulness practice mobility flexibility injury prevention blah 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 um and you know recently sort of switched most of the, the focus onto to the to the in stuff so the super long three five mm-hmm. minute holds and i've seen like a massive ramp in my progress by doing that rather than the kind of power yoga stuff mm-hmm. of late and so um that's something that i i know that if i want to be healthy in my old age mm. that's the one thing i should do regularly over everything else because you see people hunched over and i'm sure dns is the same in that sense where you you're a prisoner in your own body mm. um in your old age if you are sedentary and do you hold any injuries um I've h- had an L3 L4 compression Shit. from yeah. um from a training since I was 15 and never once stretching until about 18 months ago mm-hmm. and two um from driving race cars for so many years with no lumbar padding um so a lot of them are they're almost like a bench seat mm-hmm. and um because i i didn't have much flexibility um i was getting a, a anterior anterior posterior whichever one would make my back round um, pel yeah. would tilt when i was sitting in the car which so my spine was kind of doing this and i had that sort of air gap in my lower back and over many years of driving and the vibration and the bumps and the g-forces and all from racing plus training and again like i say not not doing the prehab and the rehab side in terms of of mobility um i had a couple of ripper um uh you know sciatic periods and whatnot um both, both oh, legs or one uh right leg yeah <laughs> and man i remember I, there was one where i was just I couldn't sleep for days because I couldn't lie, stand, sit. I couldn't escape it. Fuck. And I was just <laughs> crying like a baby in my room because I was literally felt like a prisoner. Yeah. And and I was trying to steer off um, pain relief and all. Uh, I try I try when I can to avoid masking pain. Mm. I know it's there for a reason, but this was one of these. These situations where, until that information had gone down, mm. I was just going to be in in a world of hell. Um, so, anyway, um, have they
0: done anything to those vertebrae? Or no. So right?
1: yeah. um, first thing I did was was um, stop uh, squatting and deadlifting um, because I had poor mobility. You were just asking for it. I've only started deadlifting again three weeks ago. This was eight years ago, mm. and man, I'm, I'm I feel great, mm. um, and I think the yoga mat is a huge part of that. But funnily enough, all of my, um, all of my, I wouldn't say all because you never know, but the discomfort and the the occasional dramas I'd have in my back, which would happen periodically, all stopped when I went plant based, mm. and all my inflammation dropped. So. Um, that was a a a downstream benefit of of that which um is despite all the other benefits that i've found from it is worth sticking with so um so that was good so so to answer your original question in terms of the interest in running um i did a half um with a buddy of mine because his girlfriend at the time um they had like a bet you know was january and the hawks bay half was in march um you know let's let's train to to do a half together i don't know what the wager was but Mm -hmm. he just said do you want to do it with me and i said yep cool um and so um started training with no idea did the half really enjoyed it um and then we were all sitting around having a beer after and it's like right well what's next we had Mm. a whole bunch of us who like You know, it started with my mate Simon, then me, and then I called Sam and a bunch of others, and ended up being like a group of like ten of us who went all went and did it, and we had a great weekend away, where we did something good for ourselves, Um, and it was a really good Mm. feeling—not just going away on like a piss trip Mm -hmm. like people do, like we actually went away and did something that you come home better off than Mm. when you left. You feel like you've achieved something. So um, we we sort of caught a little bit of a bug there. And I said to the guys, well, you know, running on the road is pretty boring, let's be honest. Let's, why don't we do one of these off road races? So I just jumped on Google, exterior was the first thing that popped up. And so I started doing the exterior races. And, and the moment I started running trails, hmm. I opened up a whole new world in terms of your connection with nature and the mindfulness side of things. And like, it was something that I never knew that I'd yearned for until I did it. It's like, this is what I've been, what I've been missing um and also the the i really like the fact that on the trails um and took a little while for me to to come around to this but um i really like the fact that um your garmin doesn't matter (laughs) like pace you know speed whatever it may be who cares (laughs) like there's hills there's different terrain there's technical bits there's tree roots there's mud there's grass like no two runs are going to be the same. So why bother? Like, mm. why, why bother worrying about that? And, you know, obviously there's that kind of Strava anxiety that people get where they don't want to post a slow run, which everybody probably grapples with at some time. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, I don't give a toss. Like, I'm out there enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I re- if, if I'm doing six-minute Ks or four-minute Ks, I don't care. Like, I've really enjoyed the experience. And so, um, yeah, really love the exteriors. Actually didn't do too bad. In, in them either like I, i've sort of got some reasonable results like i got i got a top three at that duel on rangatoto cool. and nice. i was sort of top tening in all of the exteriors and i know they're obviously not a professional event but there's still a lot of good good runners there so that, that kind of wet my competitive appetite too um and then covid um everybody got into fitness right mm. um and so i started to ramp then and that was when i realized how much it meant to me uh as a mental health outlet um and that was never more present than when I got injured and went into a couple of real big spirals I had two two injuries one at the start of COVID, and, and I had an illness earlier this year um and both of those when running in particular but just movement in general was taken away from me I just it was a, it was a big problem. Mm. Um, And, you know, I'm obviously, I'm not alone in that. Um, Obviously there's many tools in the toolkit in terms of your mental health, but I, I firmly believe that one of the most important is movement Mm. um, of some descript and, and being outside, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So, um, so started to sort of explore longer events and whatnot, Um, did the T42 which was really fun, down down um by Rupehu Uh and at some point, and it would have been late in COVID, it was would have been twenty twenty one, um, I started following Rito. Carl mm. Reed. Um I'd watched that Who is Carl Reed video that 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 little production company made that followed his tarawera um, you know, Rise and Fall and the 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 sort of battle he went through and um it was kind of like a dramatic little movie in itself mm. that 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 journey and i just really liked how open he was about you know his anxiety and why he ran and i sort of and i also liked the fact that he was a unique character like you know covered in tats and all that shit
0: you so, know more now yeah yeah
1: <laughs> i just see he got his more of his head done the other day I said yeah. to him you're sorted now if you actually lose your hair you've got your own you know secondary hairline um so I was interested in running and so was following him and we connected over Strava he, he's obviously a bit of a rev head mm-hmm. so he started following what I did on motor racing and um, got chatting um ended up inviting him to a race with his wife paula which they they came along to and and really loved and that fostered into a a friendship Hmm. um, which more than anything is what I value with him Um, but he also then um, you know started giving me a hand in a coaching sense and um, that was great because you know you you can read and research everything under the sun but um, the best advice you get is from an expert Hmm. and so you know he he me into uh, a, well, a but like I guess having a, a variety of food on your plate rather than just one thing um you know I was just living in zone two because mm. that's what Rich Roll told me to do <laughs> and uh and it was Carl that got me doing you know hill repeats and interval days and tempo days and all this other shit and um and so
0: yeah, some um, what's that saying? Some days you need to test yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and he, he was dead right. And I ended up, funnily enough, enjoying interval and hill rep days more than any other day in terms of that short, hard challenge and you really you get to the end of that and you really feel like you've worked. Yeah. And that's that's a good feeling. Um so that's that's sort of how the the interest developed. It definitely ramped up throughout COVID. Um I had a couple of false starts with Tarawera with the 102. First being with my injury, and, and this was a, a recurrence of the back. Excuse me. Um, which which really sucked. I we were um, Carl and Simon Cochran and I were um, planning on doing the Auckland Marathon together, um, and then sort of changing our prep for Tarawera. You know, in Feb, three months later, and. It was just before that that I I got injured, hmm. so had a had a, a while off there. It happened in level four. Couldn't get any treatment, so again, oh, what what should have been a week became like ten weeks. Yeah, it was just hell. Um, anyway, it's that's fine. I learned a lot about myself in that in that um period. And it was after that where I um I came back, started from scratch essentially, and with a different headspace or different mentality and that's something that i i am very much living now which is um you know i love running now probably as much as if not even more than than racing Mm -hmm. racing cars because it's me versus me and i know that whatever i get out of it is down to the work i've put in it's not luck or strategy or a good pit stop or or Whatever other million things can influence a, a race car win. It's still a great feeling winning a race in a car, but um, I like the personal challenge of of running, um, and like I say, that the general health benefits, body and mind. But when I'd gone through this this hard training block with Carl, um, and again, this is no criticism of him at all. He's great at what he does but it started to feel like work Mm -hmm. and then if i wasn't hitting a target i felt like i'd failed Mm. and that took the fun out of running for me which like i love going out the door whether it's running down the lake getting in the bush going down spa park heading up hanua um so not uh, hanua tohara behind us wherever it may be i just love getting out there and doing it but um I, it, it started to feel like my job driving race cars. And I wanted that to be the complete polar opposite to driving race cars in its approach. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, I like still, still had Carl overseeing what I was doing at the time, but I, my overarching ethos or, or what, whatnot was, um, I'm going out the door today and I'm going to, run for as far or as long as i feel like it if i come up short fine i'll turn around if i want to go longer i'll go longer and Mm -hmm. every single run since i've had that that headspace or that that mindset has been a real pleasure for Mm -hmm. me i haven't had a bad run even days you feel like shit and your legs feel like cinder blocks because there's no expectation in your head um it's it's that whole like, well, any run's better than no run thing, right? That's mm. kind of the 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 chant, or the, the mantra. Now, well,
0: when you said you were injured in the end of level four, what was what was the previous mindset like?
1: like um, the previous mindset like you said was you learned a lot about was, yourself. Yeah, the previous mindset was um, here's my here's my numbers for the week in training peaks, um, and <laughs> I'm going to beat them, and I'm going to go further. And Carl like, actually said to me a few times too, you're, "You're going faster than I said." I'm like, "Yeah, but I." i could do it so i did it like we'd do we'd do some interval days where um you know we would could be descending ladders from four minute k's down to three thirties and i'd make sure my last one was a 320 mm-hmm. and or i'd make sure all of them were 10 seconds quicker than the target and like and he did you know full full he he said to me a couple of times like it's great you're doing it and you're ramping, but like save the body because we've got a long journey ahead. Mm. So it's it definitely partly me. So he gave
0: you a bit of a framework in the training. Yeah. That's where the coaching was. Good. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and, you know, like again, I'm a, I'm a, Carl's the same. I mean, he's, he's, you know, we, we laugh about it a lot. We're the kind of guys who, if you get told when you're injured, you can be back doing it in three months, you'll try and do it in one. Mm. And a lot of, that's a very stoic, not stoic, sorry, a very stubborn, mentality i'm trying to care for my body more now than i used to but historically that's been how i've been Mm. and so yeah if i see a target i don't want to just match it i want to beat it and um and in many areas of life that's a great that serves you well but um i'm not a professional runner i'm never going to be a professional runner it's it's a passion of mine i get numerous benefits from it um but primarily i just love being out in nature and and just exploring man mm-hmm. so that's how i do it now and, and um i'm gonna do the old ghost ultra next Feb, mm-hmm. which will be awesome i've never been to the west coast of the south island and um my plan like obviously i i know from from two two years now uh, doing sort of build up blocks and tapers with Carl I know roughly the structure Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to create a a set blueprint to get there Um, I'm just gonna just gonna enjoy my training and whatever happens on the day happens like I'm still gonna obviously give it my all but you know if, if it's the difference between finishing 15th or 25th and i've really enjoyed the experience versus it felt like hell then i'd rather finish 25th mm. because you know that's that's why i'm doing it, it it's I think pushing yourself challenging yeah, yourself I think there's a guy
0: you know. you know, he might be chris o'connor no doc, doctor something O'Connor. <laughs> i think he's based in utoro i need to sort of check him down I think. okay and he did the south island ultra uh, earlier in the year it was sort of around the thing was the same time that simon was over at Ultraman australia okay and he got third and they did it in like seven hours crushing it along this is which which event it was called South Island Ultra oh okay yeah, it was okay. on the west coast as well but it's, it's a lot flatter <laughs> mm-hmm. and then he got third and he was like I'm not doing an ultra ever again he's like, he's like I'm, I'm done with ultras after that yeah it's, it's, and that was it was a similar thing like I pushed so hard that I made it un, like unenjoyable
1: like what am yeah. I doing <laughs> And and that's like hey if if simon he might have mentioned this on your pod or another one i listened to um, recently because uh, he obviously did a big tour mm. before and, and or after you um, have to do it again now, Jesus. Yeah, no, far <laughs> out, what, a, what a machine um but it, it may well have been on yours i listened to your pod with them doing the arterial which is so boring but but your pod with them made it good um, <laughs> chatting away but but i think simon it was your pod and he made a comment and he said um, it's not hard to run an ultra it's hard to race one and that really was like an aha moment for me because I'm a racer but when it comes to running I don't know if I am like I'm a smart pacer and um, you know I probably more often than not would beat my my goal but I'm never going to I'm never going to be a Simon or a mm. Carl, mm. and I don't expect to be. I don't have that in my wheelhouse. I want to. I want to challenge myself personally, push personal limits. That's what I love about about the running community in general. I've never met a more open, um, friendly, welcoming. Community oh of people yeah. from the pros down. That's why I love them. Yeah. yeah, we're coming from a sport where everybody's going to stab you in the back. Man, oh, motor r- racing is rugby. A, is yeah, it's an absolute. <laughs> um, it's just a, a pack of vultures, and you know I spent my life looking over my shoulder, and then you get to a running event, and you could be you could be the elderly person rocking in in six hours, or the winner who's done it in two and everybody is equally overjoyed for your mm. personal achievement and that's just that's that's really powerful stuff man mm. i love that um, yes
0: tell of the year i got to go down i was in monica and got to go up roy's peak with uh um, oh. Ian evans and i was just like this guy like it was just like awesome jets going up there oh yeah and like i've been you know trying to get in some training up to harder and then i was like this, this thing's only half the size yeah and yeah just you know going up there um i keep getting i guess mini compartment syndrome in my calves and so we're just like trying to navigate Ooh. that it seems to have come right um i think if i put my sort of calf socks on then then it comes all good so i just have to remember that but yeah he's the same like you know he's
1: They're just normal people yeah
0: one of those people that's completed revenant he'd done yeah. he'd been on some mission somewhere else and like that's what i love about ian as well he just does missions mm. he'll you know does does his roy speak on friday and then he'll go some valley with, with some mates another day works on the ski fields now and in the shop in town and things He's, yeah just normal people it's awesome they are yeah. they are
1: like i you know you meet a, a top athlete in any other conventional code because obviously you know ultra running and, and ultra sports in general are very niche sports mm. um you think motorsports are niche but man they're, they're niche. <laughs> but but you know you could be chatting with a sam harvey or a simon or a carl or or a is it Harvey Oswald or who yeah is it Oswald he's the certainly. guy that was racing with you know there's big names in the space um, I'm sure Killian Jornay is in the same realm in that sense where I I'm sure all of those guys we'd just meet like you and I have earlier today and there's no there's none of this like we're mm-hmm. just two people having a chat um, they're very down to earth generally but these people
0: I wonder I wonder if running as well and especially when it comes to ultra like you say any run can be different mm-hmm. so like I'm sure athletics is different because it's like very, oh yeah very standardized oh,
1: yeah I feel like there'd be a lot more <laughs> you know whereas
0: this is got kind of like show up on the day what can Hell, you do Yeah, yeah, yeah if, and if you get injured well I guess it's not your day and you know what else <laughs>
1: is is I think amazing for the, the burgeoning ultra sport as a whole is um, just how and you wouldn't have picked it but just how much of a Leveler, it is between the genders, like mm. you've got Ruth Croft and others who, yeah, um, I know Helen who beat the men, she's the beast, and and not, and again, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I say that, um, in a sense that, like, we'll
0: tipi- call need to order, it, well, so. typically,
1: any sport that uses muscles and testosterone, there is a general, a, a genuine gender game, um, and that is not sexism, it's just science and biology, but in terms of ultra running the women use this they don't yeah. have the as much ego um and they are smart paces and they listen to their body and their mind and come the end more often than not um they've either won it outright or they're always in the top three mm. and it's like how cool is that man mm. like you know most of them are half the size that we are yeah but that they might just, help they just but. keep <laughs> they, yeah but yeah. they just keep charging and so I think you know in terms of the world we live in now too like that can only help um well you you'd know mate like two three years ago no one knew what an ultra marathon was I feel like every every second or third person now knows someone who's doing ultras which is awesome because like it's something for anybody from any walk of life to achieve something they never thought they could and like you know, obviously the old saying that life life starts at the end of your comfort zone mm. and um, there's no bigger pain cave than going and running 100k or 100 mile or whatever it may be or climbing these stupid hills mm. and thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Like your, your doctor mate said, Um mm and then getting to the end saying i'm never going to do that again and then next week three like, days right, later Yeah. what am i doing <laughs> yeah. next yeah my, you my, my, like i did
0: 54 and my old man's like oh, would you do that again I was like, what, what did you, you which event was that So i was i'd entered 101 i think, thanks to helen she was like what's the longest event always into the longest yeah yeah but i made the probably wise decision to do 54 i did it was um aotearoa ultra so i was on banks peninsula cool yeah and would have three been three hills here, yeah. and the biggest one i think was 999 over 21ks on herbert and yeah so that that was the undoing getting up there was great oh well, it was tough but getting up there was like it was i was on a buzz and then they come down and then i got lost as well so not only did i have some tension starting but then demoralized by again going off the track and like seeing i think three or four people that i just you on know passed on a different yeah ridge. that oh. i passed up the top and you know, i was just like oh damn it but um I, you know it just came to be like my own race in yeah
1: and and let me let me turn the the tables around on you now then like what why do you run
0: um yeah so i did that run covered like i was telling you off of here that was when we broke up and mm-hmm. it was just it was just. Like like I said, I had this thing my whole life of seeing Kepler, seeing mm-hmm. Steve Gurney do you know, seeing Nathan Favre doing um God's own and stuff like that, Discovery Race, seeing and then talking to Lisa Star mcTee mm. Um I think I knew Simon by then. Yeah, I did I knew Simon by then. I think I knew Carl by then. Um yeah, Cameron Haynes, Doc Goggins, and it was just come lockdown. I was on a farm, I was like, I'm gonna start running up this small hill. Mm-hmm. Then start running around the farm road, and then yeah, talking with Helen was like, Well, I better enter something. And then so it was just like, Right, there's no time like the present. I've finished playing rugby, yeah. Um, I was on my own, and it was like, Right, let's do something challenging again. Mm. And yeah, like it was interesting the lead off it at, at the Ozero Osho. There was some guys that were doing a training run for, um, what's called? Uh, to, to U-M, yeah, total um, winner, yeah, to Roeta, yep. and yeah, sitting on the bus, hearing them talk, I'm like, well, I guess I won't see you. <laughs> 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 and, then, and then there but,
1: was, but you never know that either. Yeah, yeah. like you got the hard outs with all the gear, eh, who. You're you're off. You're like, well, they are either going to win it or they're just absolute pretenders? Yeah. You get the opposite. You get the guy who just looks like he's rocked up off a farm in gumboots oh. who ends up winning the thing. Well, that was the kepler, kepler the whole time. Eh? It was just like, yeah. who
0: the hell are these people? Like, they're not like you say. They're not athletes. They just no musters off the hill. They're just absolute goats. And also, what
1: you know, what you you just said, and you know, what I find fascinating about um, about the trail running. I'd never done a marathon or a half marathon. Yeah, neither had I, and, but. We all find our way to it for our own reasons. Yeah. But I feel like once we're there, we stay for the same reasons.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's, I'm a bit like you, like I did the 54 and realized that was probably like the 101 was definitely too much for me to chew on, okay. but the 54 was just probably just right. And then I did it and that immediacy was like, nah, I probably wouldn't do that again. And then, like you say, three days later, you're like, "Oh, what else could I do?" Mm. And like, I know Poronui has the tr- trail run, yeah. Beautiful. So yeah. I've walked through Poronui three times now, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll come and do the half here." Mm-hmm. And then, like me and my mate did um, Tongariro, we did 26k on Tongariro, and I was like, "That was fun." Mm-hmm. Did the river trail? That was we did 30 ks on the river trail. That was fun. That's. Did you yeah. start
1: at ATMURI and head through to the dam? Ah, uh,
0: so we did the car back, went up to the dam to jones landing back mm-hmm. to the car park and then we mm-hmm. had to do a couple more down the road yeah Have you ever done the timber trail no that's a good one so i, go, I do go hunting over near the um Arutake swing bridge okay and so that can go up to the timber trail yeah yeah and then like um, when i was in Hawkes pay i did um there's a trap line um along the mohaka river that mm-hmm. i'd done over a new year's and then i went back and ran it so that was like a 26k loop with okay. a big ASL on it. As I yeah. was going to say, living here, there's a network of huts out there. Like, you could fast yeah. pack that awesome. <laughs> the,
1: the the hard um the hard thing with, well, for me, I don't know what you drive, but um a lot of the trails around here in the Kaimana was and all, you got to have a four-wheel drive to get into, you know. <laughs> like, man, there was one 20, 30k out on the Nipi Taupo that I did on a whim one day. um And for whatever reason I, my car might have been getting a service so I, I jumped in my dad's ute yeah and holy shit like the ruts on the road going in would have been a foot deep oh shit. Um, yeah and so there's no way a, well there's no I, way a bmw yeah I went, to, I went
0: to go into waipanga one time and it was like friday Wait, after work is it yeah on the neighborhood. turbo it be probably like, is it yeah. yeah and i i sort of um Oh, it was like one of those like on a whim didn't look at the maps well enough uh-huh, type thing that was me and so then i was like <laughs> pulling right because I, like, I think i need to go right and going down on these little forestry tracks i'm like no no it's not this one not this one then sure enough i get out get, um get up the next day but i was in hawk's paper then i gave up and just sort of moved my gps around a little bit and I was like, oh that's where i needed to go like it was just i hadn't zoomed in enough to, mm-hmm. to see that i had to go back on the road and then around and then yes yeah.
1: <laughs> even that you know even that little bit of unknown that little bit of danger is part of the fun of just exploring somewhere you've never been oh yeah like like if i'd turned up and i couldn't drive my car through there then i guarantee i just would have parked it up where i could and just been like well i'm just going to follow this road on my feet yeah see where the trail starts and go from there like it's like there's no rules no you know the only rules is carry die back yeah (laughs) but
0: that's that's a um the thing with that mohaka one it was like 26k by myself i, was like, I know where the hut is mm. and i'm like and there's it's two huts on that loop and it's like oh i guess you just walk and i had a had a e-bub with me so yeah. and i've got a better e now that's way smaller so like that's that's a cool thing but mm. yeah now it's def- definitely awesome getting out in the bush and, oh yeah and like i want to get better at hunting but at the same time i'm like quite happy now to just go Walking, and then it's like, well, maybe I'll just go running, you Mm. know. And and yeah, this is pretty cool forest just there. I know, yeah.
1: I mean, there's so much we haven't explored. I even earlier today, I was um, I didn't realize um, until I googled today, but I was thinking to myself, where can I go out here around the area and get more vert? Because hut is not a run, as you know, it's it's a hike up, run down, um, and i don't know thing?
0: someone's done it in 26
1: up and back Uh <laughs> oh, to or the top up, up i don't know okay. that's pretty fast that is fast <laughs> jesus I think i've gone up and down in 50 but not up would have been about 35 of that
0: <laughs> how, how do you how do you attack the running side of things I can I can run to the fence and then I can sort of do small little bits up to where you do the big right yeah and then I can run the whole ride right and back again and then do little bits all the way up I then... think
1: that's one of those ones where it depends on how motivated you are in the day right like um, like there are days where even the farmland feels like hell and you're only just getting started yeah but, but as you well know too having having done some running um, you're unless you're having one of those days where you've just got a, a, a fire lit under your ass, yeah. <laughs> Um, you're Quicker to power hike and more, more better at conserving your energy than you are trying to run anyway. Yeah. So, um, you know one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in terms of trail running, at least in terms of long runs, is if it's above your eye line, walk it. Yeah. Um, and you know that's not a a, um, a firm rule, but in general, if it's steep, just walk up it. Save your legs. You know you're going to save half the energy and and um, May have been a conversation I had with Carl recently because he did a lot of training in the Hanuas, um before he had his surgery and all yeah. a couple of years back, and you know he worked out by doing some splits on his watch that um, the the steep inclines, the power walking versus the um, the trying to jog it, the gain or loss was negligible, mm. but you get to the top and you've either gassed yourself or you've got a whole bunch in the tank. So, um you know, no, you couldn't have this conversation with a road runner because they wouldn't understand that um that walking's okay.
0: That was the beautiful thing with, with Ian, <laughs> Ian going up Rose PK. Okay. We got to the bit at the, 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 the start, and he's like, "Oh, this is real steep, and we tend to walk it." It was like straight away, like. <laughs> valve valve, valves off yeah yeah. yeah. and then I was like let's try run this and then I started getting my car for sure and was like oh that's cool let's walk Yeah. and then yeah and then we got to the top buzzing we weren't that far behind the absolute weapons that were basically running up Yeah. and then we all came down and I was like well that was that was awesome and it was still like I think the first time I'd ever walked I did two and a half hours and I think we got to the top in about an hour and I was like wow that was so much faster (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: I haven't done Roy's but I've done Ben Lumond oh yeah that Um, looks awesome and you know I did it on a on a shitty day. It was it was snowing um, <laughs> for the last trig. Yeah. Um, and man, it was fantastic. There was someone that did it the other day,
0: and they ended like up in deep time? deep oh, snow. Okay. I was like, Oof. but they because they, they're
1: both about fourteen hundred meters. A I think Ben Lomond a little bit higher. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, um, and there's multiple ways you can go too. Like with the Ben Lomond one, you, you start it obviously by the gondola but there's a couple of ways to go until you actually get to the open ridges to yeah. head up to the top um and i'm not sure whether i took the good or the, or the easy or the hard one but regardless it, it was yeah it's a hard grunt up like just <laughs> lactic acid burning but yeah my god it's a good feeling when you get oh, back awesome. down you know it's good fun man <laughs>
0: so 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 what is like sport performance like in driving like is the what's the physical side like and, and like so you say you've gone plant based like what's yep. the nutrition side of things like so, what what are you what are you metric looking for physically
1: you know it's probably less of a surprise today um, you know in the technology and the information age as it was when I was coming up but um, but driving a race car is not easy no. <laughs> physically um, and so you know, the, the the demands on a driver, um, again, will be dependent on the vehicle. So closed cockpit cars like what I drive is more situated around heat than it is around G-Force. Yeah. So Formula One, the actual physical act of driving the car, turning the wheel, pressing the pedals is not that taxing. But the load on the body from the G-Forces and the neck is through the roof, like it yeah. wouldn't. It's like a fighter jet. Oui. Oh, is that you or me?
0: I think that might be the the. Yeah, uh, I know what it'll the be the iPad. Yeah, it'll, <laughs> what, what it'll be is my stepdaughter calling her mum from Japan.
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, all good. Um, so yeah, so the the open wheel stuff is is that side of things. G forces, neck training, yada 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 But but not a lot of like you know blow through the shoulders or the legs with the the pedal input our cars closed cockpit um obviously no air conditioning things like that are all adding weight mm-hmm. so everything you know our, our cars don't think of it as a road car that you put a roll cage in there's a factory line they're a purpose-built race car the silhouette may look similar to a car that you know on the road but they are a race car so there's no mod cons mm-hmm. they're not very comfortable to be fair but it's bloody hot mm-hmm. um you know a uh, uh, the upper end of the scale in terms of cabin temperature in asia is in the 60s Fuck. so you're in a sauna <laughs> you're in a sauna you're in a three layer um fireproof Nomex race suit which um you know you know like <laughs> they're getting better but you know um growing up you go to your nana's house and they have those really shitty scratchy blankets mm. like that's kind of how they used to feel growing up now they're thankfully a bit more comfortable but still thick um, and they're obviously there to stop you from going up if you catch Are they fire. Wool um, they're like a, a mix of wool and uh, it's called Nomex, mm-hmm. um, but basically fire retardant. Mm-hmm. Um, so got all of that. You're obviously super tightly tied in as well so if you've ever suffered from claustrophobia and you're put into a closed environment in that heat it's not a good not a good place to be but then also because our cars are three times heavier than an open wheel car um the the load that you have to put into steering and and pedaling is a lot higher than than an open wheel car so there's a, a muscular element too but um are
0: you you clutching
1: now no no no, not anymore um when i came up yes when i came up it started six speed h pattern or five speed depending on the car man i drove an hq holden when i was 14 raced one and it had a column shift i had three on the tree man i did one race one race weekend and i've never had so much fun Mm -hmm. like i just felt like i was like a bus driver or a taxi driver like i shouldn't be doing this you know it was bizarre um so came up thankfully I, I think driving real real cars we have three pedals and blah, blah 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 now it's two pedals like a go-kart and paddle shift and in many cases hand clutches and all these other really tricky things what um, why do they need the clutch for so that the hand clutch will be like a semi-automatic thing so you'll um you'll pull uh what's called like a go pedal and that will engage the clutch and then once you actually start pressing the throttle, it'll engage drive, but it all does it for you. So it's not like a clutch that you have to like feather out like a foot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a switch. Um, man, it's far beyond me. I'm not technically minded whatsoever, as long as it so works. So the engineering skills need to get on. Oh, shit, no. No, <laughs> um, no uh, I'm two things. I am, I am not a car guy, believe it or not. I, I like driving, but I'm not a car guy. So, like man my dad could tell you some stories embarrassing stories about me trying to change my oil and things in the in my early days but i i get my my jollies out of the art and the dance i guess i I like to think of it as a dance of driving a car fast on Mm -hmm. its edge um so the the heat factor is the the key um focus in terms of the the physical demand because obviously in terms of um the the drain on your hydration and your electrolytes and your minerals and all um if it's you know even on a, on a cold winter's day it's still in the mid 40s um you're in the car for typically up to about an hour and a half at a time um that's what we call a stint so that's mm-hmm. a tank of fuel or a set of tires whichever comes first generally from that point you'll get out and swap with another driver but depending on the race and how you're feeling you could double or triple stint so you may be in the car for up to four and a half hours at once um and so um you're obviously you know you've got some some g-force elements and you've got the the inputs in the wheel which requires some load and, and 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 you know heavy heavy braking because we have abs which a lot of people won't realize um 12 stage abs so typically you run it very low anyway because you still want to have some feel in the pedal but it will stop you from obviously torching a tyre locking up and ruining your race if you're racing for 24 hours at one moment could completely cook you um, so you know I mean personally I still love the old style but that's the, the way it is every car in GTs like that um, so you're, yeah, you can never really train to drive a race car better than driving a race mm. car but I mean that's not feasible right it's a very expensive sport you can't I can't just go out to the track every day and do laps
0: What is the simulator provide just <sighs> nothing I hate nothing. yeah <laughs> don't, don't talk
1: to me about simulators Ryan
0: yeah.
1: um, no no look they serve a purpose Um I I would definitely I like them in terms of if you had to learn the loud, loud visualization right yeah if you had to learn the loud of a new track guys like SVG and stuff like they've been sim racers forever ever since we came up racing in the junior stuff together and he he i think he mentioned recently and i saw a quote um and he said like sim racing doesn't help me become a better racer but it keeps my mind body connection sharp Mm -hmm. reflexes and all which i i totally vouch for um for me i can i can never uh i can never dissociate oh sorry differentiate from it just being a game to me. Mm. So if I get on it I'm not I can't take this seriously. Slight, I could tangent with S V G. Yeah.
0: The whole left side, right side thing, is that just Americans just seeing American, Americans? Yeah. Because yeah. that's game. right, all the videos I've done, I've done both. Yeah, and, I've seen videos and, of you on and both sides and of the car. I was like, Well I, these Americans are no, going on about oh he's driving on the different side of the car. I'm like, I'm sure that's probably not
1: big, I've big deal. never once <laughs> it's never even entered my mind swapping the side of the car because you're so finely tuned in terms of depth of perception um, and spatial awareness that shifting yourself a meter either way, like you're just recalibrating instantly in your brain. Like it's not even something you consciously think about. So yeah, they're just, they're just harping on. But the (laughs) the simulators are a good tool to learn a new track. Like for instance, if I was going to go to Nürburgring, I mean, it's probably a a very um, extreme scenario because that's like a 20 something kilometer 180 turn circuit in the the middle of the forest but that would be somewhere where you would spend hours excuse me on a simulator learning the layout getting a general feel for the flow the gears various things and trying to trying to create a little bit of muscle memory there before you actually get there in person um I actually spent some time on a simulator last year when I went to Taiwan. Never been there, new car, and new track. So we had quite a sophisticated sim that the team had. And for the first time in my life, I actually treated it seriously and spent you know spent a few hours over a couple of days on it. And when I got to the track, I actually did feel like I hit the ground running. So from that perspective, as a springboard, it's great. But I wouldn't use it day-to-day just for, for upkeep. Um, physical training... There's plenty of methodologies around um, how you go about it. I mean, if you if you can train in the heat, then do it. But how is that feasible? Like, either train in a sauna or you live in a hot climate. Neither of those typically are where you're going to be. Um, so what you'll generally find is that um, most drivers will do some combination of, um, of a triathlon discipline. One generally cycling or running Mm -hmm. um cross training built in obviously some 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 strength work um for those who who can stomach it the mobility stuff um but it would be more so around sustained endurance at a certain heart rate um because again you can never replicate the forces that go through you in a race car without driving a race car so you just need to be generally fit Hmm. and of course the fitter you are physically um the more you're going to protect and insulate your mental fitness because if you think about again think about being in a sauna and trying to do chin-ups and pull-ups and do a workout and then do a hit workout Hmm. the moment that you start in your brain um, either a through lack of hydration and all, which is its own thing, or, or nutrition. But the other, the moment you start saying to yourself, "Man, I'm getting tired," you're done. It's mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Like that, you've already you've already talked yourself out of it from that point. So, um, so for that reason alone, the the more hours you can put in building a strong um, foundation of, of your general physical fitness. The better it will serve you in those hard races, those hard hot days, or, or whatever the demanding um, environment may be. Um, and I've found, man, that since doing the you know the long run training, or um, well not even training, I think about it as my, as I say, my out, my outlet. Since that's been a, a hobby of mine or a passion of mine, <sighs> racing cars feels easy. It really does.
0: Does the um adrenaline rush sort of come back anymore? Do you get Oh hell yeah. Do you ever get hell those tunnel yeah. vision days
1: anymore? You I don't get all of that that overload of ner- yeah, how, does, how do you nerves the and sen- um nerves and pressure and all all that shit's gone now, thankfully. I think the only time I'd really feel like super, super nervous before a race is if like, let's say you're starting on pole in a massive event mm-hmm. or there's a lot on the line. Um, then of course, once the, you start, that'll roll, but, but, roll off. Yeah, but in general, yeah. um, that whole start line feeling—you get it running too. You yeah, know, you line up at an Extera or at an Ultra, and you're like, whether it's because you're nervous or excited, you just there's just a, a vibe about it, and you know your baseline heart rate. I mean, sitting in the car, and I run my Garmin for everything. I run mm-hmm. my chest strap in every race car session I do because i have just I'm a sucker for data. Um, so to give you a, a, an example like my my resting heart rate's sort of low mid 40s Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah. and like my you know my zone two running heart rate um when i'm when i'm in a a good running sort of fitness level zone two's that sort of 420 430 pace -hmm. at like 130 odd beats per minute so like that's that's a good economy Mm. um but that's like eighty percent of my whole thing is economy. You know, do, like, do you test
0: metabolism in the sport or no? Like, like in, to two max and I, I do.
1: Uh, I do it annually up at Millennium. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I re- recalibrate all of the zones and all. But then, reason I, I ran those numbers out is when I'm sitting in a race car in the pits before I even drive out on the track, I'm like one thirty five, one forty. <laughs> I haven't even turned the wheel yet, just from adrenaline. Yeah. So um so the one thing that i do where my heart rate isn't weirdly low is driving a race car Mm -hmm. um so i'd i'd average over 160 in the race car in any race situation however you average 160 for an hour running you're gassed Mm. but i get out of the car and and I feel like a lot of that number is the adrenaline alone because mm-hmm. I get out and you do it again and again. And you might do it four or five times in a day, four or five stints in a day. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, you're mentally completely blown. Like you're mm. you're done. You're a zombie. But physically, you actually don't feel too bad. Wow. Providing you're fit. You've got to be fit. Um, and thankfully, I love I love um, fitness. Um, just in general it's not something that i do as part of my job which a lot of drivers do they Mm -hmm. do it because they know they have to and have to be seen to be doing it (laughs) um but if you can find a genuine interest in in that daily movement that discipline that regimented routine then in anything you do right it's going to serve you well Mm -hmm. and thankfully it doesn't feel like a chore to me i mean you know there are days where you well like i said you look at the program and you're like oh god i gotta go run 50k today or whatever it may be it's like damn you carl but you always feel good at the end of it yeah <laughs> you always feel good at the end of it and then
0: the diet side that's just that resilience that load lowering the inflammatory load and stuff like that um,
1: i i uh went plant-based for my mental health um and when i say that it's probably the wrong phrasing but i was in a bit of a, a rut i'd had a, a couple of blows career wise this was at a time where as i sort of touched on earlier i i aligned my self-worth to mm-hmm. where i was at in racing so losing a contract would be like i'm failing i'm mm-hmm. not good enough and you know that you can only take so many of them before you break so i was in a pretty bad space um mentally um and had stopped caring about looking after myself and you know usual the usual hole that you or the slippery slope that you fall into um and it reached a point where I knew I had to, to do something and I had followed the um the journey if you like of adam thompson the former all-black mm-hmm. who who owns the the agency that i'm with called we are Tenzing. he's become a, a good friend over the last few years oh has so he run that yeah he, he owns it he's <laughs> oh, one right. of the one of the owners him and Brooke yeah. howard smith and I, I
0: emailed them um for ruby dewey like, oh, before, the, before the world I, cup and it was just like nah, yeah, nah, no chance, no so, chance. So, she's very busy <laughs> so
1: um dan who looks after ruby looks after me as well yeah. and dan, yeah. yeah, he he said she's just like Man, you need a full time PA just to check her emails. It's yeah. mental. Well, yeah, I was talking She'd be the, a great chat. Yeah, I was talking to put the, a good between, word between two beers, guys. Right. And
0: we were just like, yeah, we, did you have the same story? Nah. Just like, yeah, nah, let, we we're a bit let, busy. Let me run it up the flagpole. I, <laughs> I, I, know, I know she's in America at the moment. But yeah. anyway,
1: um, so Adam was playing in Japan um, and had this really crazy injury or, or, or illness where he, it was like some spine degeneration thing. Can't remember the exact um, uh, symptoms or whatever of it, but he woke up one day basically in Tokyo in a foreign country in agony, couldn't walk, couldn't. Ended live, up in hospital. Right? Ended up in hospital yeah. for weeks. They couldn't figure it out because they couldn't understand him. Um, you know, his poor partner was just in in disarray because she's watching her man in, in, and yeah. in and just agony. Once they sorted him out with whatever this was, he went to Bali yeah. lived there for six months and while he was there he went plant-based for his rehab and then he just popped up put a photo on Instagram one day and he just looked absolutely shredded he looked younger he looked fit healthy lean like he just looked ready to rumble and then he you know obviously came back and is him the Waikato team this again this year I don't think he's playing super rugby anymore he's coaching a lot oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. kind but of he stupid, played he played he played he,
0: for um whole boys this year though. yeah yeah, yeah. and
1: and he came back and played super rugby after all that shit, and he was nearly forty, and and was you know obviously the old head in the team then, but I I watched this unfold, and obviously I, I was plugged in because I knew him and I cared for his well being, but I also was just blown away that uh, a a guy in the blokey bloke sport of rugby could not eat meat and dairy and still perform Hmm. and he's obviously not the first and he won't be the last but that was kind of a a a little bit of a um you know a little bit of a um light switch for me to explore it a bit more and the other was at this point i'd been getting interested in running was reading rich rolls Mm -hmm. book and um rich not only um had a, a a um really compelling story but also provided a a very informative resource um to go plant-based yourself not just saying it's good it works if you're an athlete but actually giving you the tools to do Hmm. it so between the two of them Adam had piqued my interest richard kind of given me a bit of a framework from his book and i just thought to myself you know what like i'm not in a good space i need to do something i need to i need to shake shit up in my life a little bit what can i do um maybe I can do this so I said to myself I'd give it a month um, I started by just dropping meat but but keeping dairy and eggs um, within sorry just keeping eggs dropping dairy so it was only eggs I kept uh, within three or four days just everything was feeling great sleeping better sleeping soundly less brain fog more more mental clarity creativity focus all all of the things that people have said um, but I was happier um and you know as i've since learned you know food is medicine um and so um what you put in your mouth uh is very important if particularly if you're in a poor mental space Hmm. um so i dropped the eggs and just kept going and going and going And, and what i in terms of the 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 health benefits like and again i I I'm very conscious now not to separate mental and physical health because health in general is both. So I used to say I'm healthy thinking about my body, hmm. but your mind's part of your body, you know. Hmm. So I I, I I I'm very yeah I I don't like to separate the two now. I realize I realized I was wrong back then. You can be fit as a fiddle and be shredded and run hundred kilometers an hour or sorry hundred kilometers in a day, but um you could still be you know Hmm. not good up top in the top two inches but um but what i found in terms of my training and this is why i i was obviously originally interested in it was seeing if i could accelerate my my sports performance was that the two key things that i noticed was um was my recovery so um obviously then being able to push harder every day because there was less residual DOMS and and recovery required because what I was putting in was um, being put to work rather than just being waste and being flushed out. Um, It was a very efficient way of fueling myself. And the other was my sleep quality. Um, Mm. The the amount of deep and REM sleep that I was able to, to start getting deep quality sleep, waking up refreshed, ready to go, motivated like happy excited to to face the day and um like anything in life i mean everyone wants that magic bullet everyone wants the the quick fix the magic pill i mean it's this dopamine economy we're in scrolling instagram like instant validation blah 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 but uh, as you well know nothing in life that's worth having comes easy Mm. but in terms of the diet like you can't try going vegan or plant-based or any type of diet for a week and expect to see the results. You're a, you're an idiot if you think that by making a decision after a week that um, that's an informed decision. You've got to give it time. Um, and in my case, like it only took a few days to actually feel some, some benefits, but within about a week, I felt so good. And if there's any um, bearing or... or, or or justify for why you do anything in life it's how do you, how does it make you feel hmm. um, and if if eating this way makes me feel good and, and in every way why would i stop hmm. so i did from that point like it wasn't something that i had to work at i was happy to do it because it was a lifestyle not a diet like hmm. everything kind of lined up when I made that change and um, and I found that in terms of my my wider life uh, as a whole it was that change and, and changing your diet is one of the biggest things you can do right I mean you think about things you do daily eating is one of the things you do the most in life you know you eat shit you sleep um, and so it's a huge change but in terms of being more conscious about what I ate and yes it's still Primarily, for health reasons, selfish health reasons, but it did make me, um, force me to confront my relationships, um, to actually realise that I lacked a lot of empathy. I was quite selfish, um, very career driven, which again you have to do to to be a professional sportsman, but it doesn't have to define you. So I kind of reframed my my life as a whole and I, I repaired and mended some relationships that had you know been sort of toxic in my life and I became a lot more empathetic not only for for animals but for people um and I'd like to think that um you know that those are the changes that's gonna sort of see me well through the rest of my life um so you know I'm not I, I i wouldn't say i'm vegan because um well a because I, there's still a lot of negative connotations around that and i'm and i'm i'm not trying to shy away from that but vegan is a lifestyle in the sense that it, 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 if there was a dictionary definition for it it's the um it's the animal welfare play and that's great if people want to want to um, go vegan for the rights of animals i think that's fantastic but there's plenty of junk food vegans out there. There's mm. plenty of very unhealthy vegans who just live on processed shit. And so um, plant-based is a vegan diet, but it's whole foods. Mm. And it's putting things in your body that grow in the ground or grow in a tree that are naturally formed and they're good for you. And you're nourishing yourself. So uh, vegan and plant-based very often misinterpreted or wrongly intertwined um so you know there's definitely ethics of of veganism that i i really um resonate with but it's it's you know like i drive a car with leather seats and i you know well these are vegan leather actually i got these the other day but 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 you know like it's not something that i'm vehemently um uh i'm not i'm not like a, an activist or anything mm-hmm. like that and again I, I think people who do that are, are doing great work but um f- i i'm primarily doing this for me but if i feel good and i'm a better person for it uh, and i lead by example then i feel like that's a good thing in its own Have right ripples there. yeah yeah like i'm not i'm not someone who's going to be out posting on instagram trying to convert people to a plant-based diet but if people see me out like doing these long running events or like volunteering with animals or doing cool shit um as a consequence of that and you're leading by example then then your actions are more powerful than opposed post you do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's kinda of how I I strive to to act and live and be
0: What do you um, do about the B twelve and the DHA EPA sort of things? Do you do Estosanthin? So
1: in terms of B twelve, um I get it from fortified foods like nutritional yeast, stuff mm-hmm. like that, which I have daily. Um, and then in terms of DHA's, I get it from like a um, algae-based yeah, supplement. Or something. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. although um, of late I've actually I've tried to cut down on my I've tried to cut down on um, my vitamin regimen in terms of seeing if I can swap out for some natural foods. Like the more natural stuff I can get, the better, rather than pill form. Um, and so I, a few months ago, I swapped out. Um, supplemented dhaa for um for like flax seeds Hmm. but i grind them before they are put into like a smoothie Hmm. because that releases the oils that are actually going to be assimilated in the body so if you just put flax you've still got
0: that conversion problem though right
1: like about only about 30 percent from ALA, i think well i i tried it as an experiment yeah and um I try to do one thing at a time, but like mm. a race car, we never make ten of yeah. changes at once. <laughs> yeah. And because um, I, I, I'm hearing you, and I thought to myself, "Well,
0: I have, a, I have a slightly slanted view on that as well. Yeah. I have come even come from multiple brain injuries. I, <laughs> yeah, and I so I, it, I supplement all the time yeah. for DHA EPA.
1: I, I, I did it, and I haven't, I haven't consciously noticed a negative." Mm. But at the, at the same time, I mean, he, Andrew Huberman had an interesting take, and so did Simon Hill, who has a, um, a really great um, podcast in the kind of nutrition space. Mm. Both of them have said a similar thing, which um, kind of gave me a li- little bit of reprieve, actually, and that was, you know, there's a thousand different supplements you could mm. take that would benefit you, but let's develop a rational approach Mm. to supplementation and because it's expensive, right? Among many other reasons. So if you could choose five things to benefit you, choose the five Mm. things that are going to benefit you the most. And I'm constantly tweaking and changing. And there are certain things that I, 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 um, I religiously will will have in in my regimen, um, because I know that it's it, it works for me, and, and I've done the DNA profiling through the same um, crowd that Carl and Simon and mm-hmm. all have done their stuff. So I know I know what I'm susceptible to and not. In fact, B12 uptake for me is something that um, that thankfully genetically I'm not predisposed to being low in, nice. which is good. So, it's, but then there's other things I need to to be careful of, and, and one of them is um is in terms of LDL cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I when I went plant based was heavy into using coconut oil hmm. and like even coconut milk and in, in cooking, and by cutting that my my only f- marker that was bad was my LDL. Once I cut coconut oil and stuff out, Tetra- absolutely, ex- absolutely ex- milk. Ultimate saturated fat. Yeah. Down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even it tastes good. Yeah, <laughs> like most things. Are. Yeah, I, yeah. I, like I've
0: run that run that panel a few times. Like. Mm. Yeah, like what's my RDL And I managed to do APOB last time, and that was good. And I was like, oh, okay, that's mm. nice to know." Yeah, I don't, I don't. My my brother had a heart condition, possibly mm. Viox related. You know, you don't want to say that, but put mm. potentially. Mm-hmm. And but otherwise, we don't really have too much. There's a bit of AF in our family, actual fibrilla- fibrillation, mm-hmm. but. Okay. Yeah, it's more the inflammatory and um, and then there's type two diabetes with my grandfather. So that's the thing the ones that I'm conscious of. Yeah.
1: I uh, I was told by uh, Sue Barron's her name, she's got a company called Smart DNA, so she does the, the, the um
0: So are usually looking at your DNA yeah, rather than just your family has proper piece. proper yeah.
1: deep dive, you know, with blood sample. Uh, it was blood or saliva? It was I can't remember it now, but I think I think it was saliva. Um and then you send it off to Sydney. But yeah, she, it was on Carl's advice mm-hmm. that I did it. I'm so glad I did. I learned so much. It was so fascinating. Um, the, just the some of the things she confirmed for me, but also some of the things I had no idea mm-hmm. about. But she does all a lot of the top Fiat supercar guys and all as well. So there's kind of a, a, a an alignment there in terms of working with um, athletes in my code. But um, speaking of type two, like she said to me, um, if I totally fell off, like in terms of my diet, like if I just started being a piece of shit, hmm. that I would be like I'd have type two in a heartbeat. It'd turn around fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she said, like you know, you th- thankfully I I have an active lifestyle, but um, if I didn't, then I'd be a, I'd be a target. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah.
0: and it's interesting with insulin resistance. you see the obesity and you ask them, "What's your HbA one you C?" Oh, it's fifteen. Like crikey dicks and you look at their eyes and they're fine and you're like you're on the one hand lucky that you've got so much fat storage Mm. but on the other hand that's again like the like what what happens when when the the dam breaks type stuff
1: i know man and i guess too like you know knowledge is power and we've got so much info at our fingertips now but um there's still it's that whole too much of a good thing there's some ignorance is bliss still in a lot of ways oh, yeah. but i find i find and it sounds like you're the same way that in terms of my myself my biological self the more i know the better because if i can either um prolong or future proof or stop something that's going to affect me long term yeah. then i will do it and 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 this is the thing like um w- whether it's my diet or the, the mobility stuff with the the yoga that I'm now religiously doing, Um, I'm not doing that because it's going to help me win a race tomorrow necessarily. I want to make sure that when I'm in my 80s or 90s, if I'm still here, that I'm living a good life. Like I'm not just waiting to die. Mm. Um, And so, you know, that's a completely different train of thought than somebody who just wants to lift heavy weights in the gym and look good in the mirror. And that's fine. Like, We all go through our phases. I had that phase for many years. There is some crossover, thankfully. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Of course, of course. Now, I'll tell you something that's really interesting. Um, uh, My last two medicals, we get an annual medical for racing, um, which is just part of our license renewal. And um, so in my whole adult life, I've obviously, you know, we we stopped growing. Mm. And I've been doing yoga, for every well pretty much as a daily practice since January 1st of last year so mm. 18 months now so I've now gone through two uh, two medicals since doing that and the last two years I've grown a centimetre each year yeah. how are those from, discs <laughs> good man yeah. from deep so obviously decompressing the spine better posture so I'm I'm gone from 5'9 to 5'10 yes and and <laughs> I told my mum the other day she's like bullshit and, and one of her friends was there and he's a bit shorter and he's like oh maybe i should do that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> put get it in on my tinder profile you know so get on your yeah, um, yeah. so you know if, if nothing else guys if you're an inch under six foot and you want to have that magic number on tinder then get on your mat <laughs> 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 Shit. <that's good. laughs> yeah. uh, you're, you're
0: talking about that um longevity side of things and the mental side of things mm. like what what are the tools and tricks you you have like has, has it been like a severe mental failing or just or situational i don't, situational want, I don't depression. want to like um, yeah no, no is no, no, is it just no,
1: no. yeah i and look i'm i'm not um, you know i'm i'm very open about it all um just situational depression which um, you know many of us would have gone through throughout covid if not uh, other times in life so um so the, the the tools for me um i mean there's a few but diet's definitely one um movement Mm. is definitely one um sunlight slash nature being outside is definitely one for me but then there's purpose purpose is probably the the anchor that all the others hinge off because Mm. whether it's racing or whether it's you know being out running which to an extent is a purpose in itself whatever it may be you've got to have something to get out of bed for that makes you feel like you've you've got a a place on this earth uh and community hmm. community and and i mean these aren't hot takes this is these are, are tools you could probably just google in a heartbeat but they've, they they work time and again and you know purpose and community are, are the two throughout the lockdowns that i realized um more more than ever or probably for the first time that were very important uh in my um You know my general mental profile Hmm. um my my well-being if you like and so you know i probably become a lot more introverted as i've got a bit older i was super like social when i was young as you do when you when you come of age um and i've sort of swung the other way now where away from the racetrack and all Like, i'm just i'm i'm quite a nomad Mm -hmm. like I'm reading books and I'm, I'm out in the bush and I sort of do a lot of things alone. And I was quite happy to do that. But I, um, I've made a real uh, effort because you know, even if it's just going out for a beer with some people, sometimes you just can't be bothered. Mm. <laughs> a lot of the time, let's be honest. But I've found that since making an effort again in the last sort of year or so, that more often than not, um, I mean, every now and then, you're like, oh, why do I go and do that? But more often than not, just getting out, going and doing it, whatever it may be, even if it's not at the top of your priority list or all you wanted to do that evening was veg out on the couch, it's better to be around people than, mm. than not. So that that that's, I mean, it, again, you know, everybody is different. Um, but, yeah, diet, movement, um, community, purpose, yeah. Um, those are my four. And you, and nature.
0: Yeah. Do you work with anyone like this? The the, the Dave Gabrace the um the I, I did when I
1: was younger. We 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 had some quite handy support resources at our disposal through uh what's called the Motorsport Academy. Mm-hmm. So um there was a kind of joint venture between Spark at the time and Motorsport New Zealand where they select a few young drivers each year and you go and spend a a week in Dunedin at the Academy of Sport there, and um, learn about all these various things. But but then, um, once you leave there, you're given, I guess, some credit, financial credit, to work with people, whether it's um, whether it's you know sports psych or or um, nutrition or physical or whatever it may be. Um, So I I work with some people in the early days in terms of that kind of winner's mindset and stuff Mm. like that. Um, But in terms of like just pure therapy, um, I'm really intrigued by it. I want to do it. Um, I just haven't found the right fit yet. Mm. And I've heard some horror stories about people who haven't found the right fit. And so I'm very conscious that if I'm going to pull that trigger, and I will because I, I... I've seen the way it's helped friends and family and um i've also heard a, an interesting take on it that the best time to do it is when life's going pretty good mm. because you're more inclined to be open about things you're more you know you're going to be more bottled up when you're retreated into your shell so now's probably a good time um but it's it's finding the right fit like I had a look recently, and and you know, like everyone you find by and large is just some old person who you can't <laughs> relate to, and you know, I'd love to like if I came across someone like yourself, similar mm. age. Um, I think it would for me it would have to be a male, and I know that females typically like to speak to other females, mm. um, as a rule as well with 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 that sort of thing. But, um, you're seeing more and more of these remote. Services like BetterHelp and others that are mm. popping up now, um, which, depending on the, the kind of treatment or the kind of relationship you're after, um, seem to be working for some people. So, mm. um, I've generally dragged myself out of it because I'm self so, I'm self aware enough to know what I need to do to get myself back to baseline, mm. and so
0: I've, I've worked with. Briefly with Don Vatice, so he he got mentored by Dave Galbraith and he's he's worked with the Sevens woman mm-hmm. for a bit, and then he's worked a little bit with New Zealand football, yeah. But I, I don't know if he's seeing anyone privately mm. anymore, mm-hmm. or if he's just doing all team based stuff.
1: And we're talking, are we talking sports related, or well, I think
0: let's say he's clinical, clinical psychologist. Okay. so yeah, you know. Dude, connect me. Yeah,
1: like I, I I'm curious. I'm curious because I um I know there's things about myself that i'm well aware of that but i would like to get uh a second opinion on or or some confirmation on and it's, it's tough as well because validate they're like they're like, they're like coping
0: thing, they're like coping
1: things that have got you where you are today and then you yeah. kind of want to know like are these still useful tools <laughs> i mean man there's also a part of me that really just wants to go and do like a full-blown ayahuasca trip yeah like, <laughs> and 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 go through that that journey violent tra- you know, trauma um, release um unfortunately you know every every shaman you come across now you've got a vet as well but like i i'm I've, i'm fascinated by psychedelic therapies and all obviously I, I can't sort of do any of that stuff while i'm competing but um but you, you got sort of a water type yeah, vibe yeah, yeah we yeah. do we do um yeah there's not there's not many methods in motorsport i don't think um just on the although sidelines. you never know but yeah but um but yeah i again in, in terms of um the, the the studies and the research that's coming out now with what people are, are doing with ketamine therapy and mdma and all mm. the other stuff i think it's fascinating and um i mean i'm not in a in a space where i would require that i'm not i'm not clinically depressed or or addicted di- or, yeah, or yeah. diagnosed with a, a serious disorder i just get down um when life deals me a bad blow and it spirals if I don't upkeep these various tools that mm. keep me on the, on the the narrow now, like if it was our parents' generation and I, I I, I think about this a lot um, where we've all got access to the same world of information on our laptop and our, our phones now, but they don't know how to use it by mm. and large. So, um, so I feel like in terms of self-development, self-improvement, learning, upskilling, whatever it may be, we're, we're a generation and that below us, which are constantly out there looking for optimize, ways to optimize ourselves to be better, happier, faster, stronger, more successful, whatever it may be. Um, but we know how to, we know how to access the, the resources to actually make that a reality, um and you know i think if it was like somebody in our dad's generation who was go through the same shit they perhaps wouldn't be equipped with the self-awareness and the, the the toolkit to um to actually address it they'd just bottle it up or they would they would suffer mm. so i think we're fortunate in that sense and so i i, I know by and large what I need to do when when things go awry, and I've been through it a few times now, um, but I I'm really um, intrigued about therapy in general, and and it's something that I um, would like to do. So, like once we finish up here, yeah. I will get you to connect you yeah. with that guy because the 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 biggest thing that stopped me from taking that leap has been has been actually finding somebody who. I mean, you've got to take people on face value for a start. But if someone recommends you someone, whether it's to buy something or to meet someone or to work with someone, then you're far more inclined to actually go for it than mm. just Google or whatever. So yeah,
0: for sure, for sure. Nice. So it's been a long chat. Yeah, I was going to say we I'm should, for a should say. probably <laughs> wrap, wrap, wrap one up. Yeah, where, where are people finding you, Johnny? You got a website? That's fucking flash. Oh, no, <laughs> What's with <no>. the octopus? <laughs>
1: well. Um, that's another story, but I didn't realize bef- when I got that done, that was, that was a, a, a phrase that was coined by, um, the neuroperformance guy I was working with. He's a Kiwi who's now based in Switzerland. We did a lot of brain training. So, so similar, um, obviously to the physical side, but about, um, neural pruning and, and, and forming, um, smarter, more efficient pathways, with your brain to body connection. So like think of Google maps taking you the fastest way to somewhere. Mm. And most of our, most of our brains are taking the long route. And so, so this was about retraining the brain to get you there the fastest. So, um, I worked with him for a few years and man, we made some huge gains to the extent where, um, I guess the way I would, would explain it is that things that would happen in the car felt like they were happening in slow motion decision-making um it, it was an incredible uh experience but he called me the octopus because he said i could do like 10 things at once like mm-hmm. i was like his top guy anyway so we i got this branding done and um <laughs> then i went to race in japan and they've got that whole like hentai tentacle porn thing going on <laughs> so they well they all just thought i was a real creep which, <laughs> and it was it was nothing to do with that and and i didn't even really know at the time that was even like a kink of theirs and, yeah. like, and no, no, no. i searched for it and i was like holy shit so um so yeah that and this is going back many years that that and it's just kind of been the the, the branding ever since but if you want to see what i get up to racing or otherwise um it's just my name on most of the socials so just john O'Lester uh, or yeah john dot is my website um and yeah it's not all race cars you know there's some cats and some food and some nature and some running and some other stuff on there too i've been told by by my agent that i need to diversify my feed a little bit because otherwise it's just like i'm a transformer you know it's just a bunch of cars on in, in, in a grid so so uh if you're into any of the stuff we've talked about connect yeah, you with me you know? nice
0: so mate, my final questions um go on what keeps you in flow do you have a, a mantra or a way you live your life or a quote that guides you <laughs> Things generally go well. Oh, when
1: it's there. I mean, in terms of my career, I'm going to give you one that my dad gave me, and I hated it at the time, um, but it would apply to v- various other disciplines in life and o- other sports. And and uh, there was a period where I was in my teens and getting kept having doors shut in my face and getting a bit through through a bit of a tantrum, basically <laughs> feeling a bit hard done by. And he looked me in the eye and he said, Johnno, he said, "nobody's owed nobody's owed a career in motorsport." Mm. And that I didn't want to hear it at the time, but that's really stuck with me. So, um, you know, don't feel entitled. Um, just because you want something doesn't necessarily mean you deserve it, mm. uh, at least in terms of, of you know, exploring a, a career of that nature. Um, but then in terms of the other mantra, man, um, you know, I think I mentioned it earlier. Um, in terms of, um, of my... You know, my love for for running in the outdoors is um, any run is better than no run. Hmm. You know, just get out there and do it, enjoy it. Get your head up too. Don't look at your watch. Get your head up look at look at the horizon and enjoy, take in your surroundings you know doesn't matter what pace you're doing <laughs> yeah I, lo- I love
0: doing that and even running backwards and looking where hell i've come yeah. and just going this is awesome hell yeah. yeah man awesome man well this week i've sort of felt like blame martin grow 288 It just sort of stuck, shocker, stuck in the 90s but we've got this one done good, <laughs> thank good. you for your patience oh and-
1: mate my pleasure it's been good to chat i really love i mentioned off off here before we got started i love this form of media um I've spent my entire life and career. Uh, Any time that I've been on a mic or in front of a camera, you've had to have your your professional brand hat on. You've had to be very conscious of what you've said. Yeah, the heck it's thrown yeah, on you. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, I've done a, a few pods now and um, I can be myself. I can be genuine, open, honest and speak my own truth, my own mind, whatever it may be. And... and um, and not what a sponsor or or a team owner wants me to say. So um, I love this. The more of them I can do, the better. Yeah. Awesome. So I appreciate you, the opportunity. Man. Thank you.
0: Cheers, bro. Cool. Awesome. <laughs>